Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of V Radio. If this is your first time checking out V Radio, be sure to uh, um, go to my archives, which you find on YouTube, lots of other places. My website is v-radio.us. There you can find me on Rumble, BitChute, uh, Odyssey, a bunch of other places for the sake of redundancy, because YouTube always screws me around. So, welcome, everybody, and to those of you on Twitch, nice to see you, too. Today, I just kind of impromptu decided I wanted to discuss this issue because I have experience with it and I wanted to give some insight. We're also going to watch some videos um, on this topic to kind of give people some uh, ideas. I actually just shared it on Getter. Yep, it's actually on Getter right now. Getter's on my website. If you go there, you can get my Getter. Go get my Getter. See what I did there? Go be a go-getter. <laughs> anyway. So, anyway... Um, first of all, I want to give a little background. Pretty much fast food and retail my whole life. I'm, I'm poor white trash. Just overeducated poor white trash. So I've done this stuff uh, myself for many years. And I've been through different phases of it. And I kind of wanted to share with you guys, especially since I know I have a good number of conservatives in my audience, you know, what it's like on the inside so to speak. And I want to be clear. Um, yes, I get that sometimes, you know, you get bad service at these places, but there's a whole other side to it. And it's honestly kind of a, it's almost like a, a stereotype that's overplayed. There's no way, for example, you go and every single time they screw up your order. I, I wish we could get away with doing that. <laughs> it's one of the things we're going to cover today is, um, especially during, the other thing is important is that to, to discuss for a moment, like the background as far as like how this has changed. So like during the, uh, like before the recession, it was just a typical job. Um, but it was kind of corporate policy that if you're not getting what you want to scream, you know, until productivity imp improves, even if you've short staffed everybody because you won't allow them to have enough people to actually do what they want. Um, you know, no matter what the circumstances are, whether it's a uh, equipment malfunction, is it, um, you know, just like one of those days it's exceptionally busy. There's just nothing, you know, basically elements outside of your control. Um, you could still, you know, be, uh, you know, totally screamed at for it. Then during the recession, and this is like during the, like the Obama era, Bush era recession time period. Once they figured out that people were desperate, because there was a time period where even getting into a fast food restaurant was hard. That's how bad the unemployment was. It was like, we used to joke around and say, well, my uncle will get you into GM. You know, that's what it was like. My uncle will get you into McDonald's. That's basically what it was like during the recession. And at that time period, they were writing nasty notes to people saying that we're going to give the hours to the people who show the most work ethic, which really kind of translated into we're going to give the hours to the people who are best at gossiping and backstabbing and ruining each other's reputation. Um, it was never really about productivity most of the time, unfortunately. So during the recession, actually, that's the funny thing is that this labor shortage started um, after the recession ended, honestly, during the Trump era. And it was because we, they got to a point where these places were hurting for people. And that's when the corporate policy changed. And because of the fact that I was actually very good at my job, um, I'm actually very good at customer service. Um, you know, as a result of that, um, the, the corporate people would talk to me more 
And one of the things they openly said was like, we can't talk to people like that anymore. We can't act like that anymore. Nobody will do this job if you guys just crap on everybody. And it was it like, as in they were really cruel, you know, to their employees and almost to the point where it was personal. And we're going to, I'm going to play some videos of uh, a perfect undercover boss compilation specifically to address this issue. Um, but they recognized that they couldn't do that anymore, that everything was changing. And that's, that's again, that's before the COVID stuff, right? So in any case, you've been waiting. I was on like, uh, I want to say like last night. I, I don't know. My memory's terrible. All right. So I want to start us off with this uh, really crazy video that was uh, like a compilation of Undercover Boss. And it's in different kinds of restaurants, like different kinds of uh, originally minimum wage places. And then eventually I'll start sharing some of my own anecdotes that'll help you guys understand that, you know, this isn't blown up. This is really how it is. But the, the, the reality is, is that people came away from this. Like after the recession, for example, there are a lot of people that I worked with during the recession. And when we started being shorthanded, I couldn't get any of those people to come back. They're like, yeah, fuck that. And it wasn't because they went home and just decided to be unemployed. unemployed. They went and found better jobs. And the same thing has happened since the COVID thing. It's not that those people are not working. It's not that they don't want to work. There's no free money being handed out by the government anymore. That's been over for months. And those places are still hurting. And it's because they've alienated people. And we're going to get into that as well. I, I want to give another, I guess, piece of information about that. But, um, okay, so let's go back. Actually, you know, you know what? I'm going to do that later. I'm going to do that later. Let me do this first. First, let's talk about what it's like working for these people when they know they hold all the cards. Because this this really contributes to why people don't want to work for these companies anymore. Um, and this is like pre-COVID. This is just like the way that they, they, they handled people, especially during the recession, which set the precedent for why people were like, man, the second I can get the fuck out of here, that's what I'm going to do. Um, and then we're also going to talk about things on the corporate level. We're going to talk about things on the employee level. Um, we're going to talk about things on the customer level. So let me get this up here. One sec, folks. All right. So this is a video from Undercover Boss. Um, it's like a compilation of some of the like worst employers ever. And there's also like one of the weird things about this compilation is there's going to be one person working here who's actually going to be a better example of what it's like to be shot on by employees and being told you got to put up with it. If you haven't watched Undercover Boss, Sometimes it's really fantastic. There was an episode once where the CEO of Rallies went and pretended to be a normal person and went to work at a Rallies restaurant. And the stuff that he learned about just how shitty it is to be an employee in those places was pretty fantastic. So anyway, let's give this a watch. Um, most of this is going to be about rude employers and just what it's like to be trained in one of these places and the kind of personalities frequently that gravitate towards bosses. Now, again, like I said, even the corporations started to recognize after the recession that they can't employ peoples like this anymore. But if they've been working there for years, you will still end up working for personalities like this at these places. Here we go. To know, okay. but it's not hard. You want to you wanna own it, manage it, right, the gym? Yes. Okay, so that's even more important. 
Like me, I'm just a front desk. So I just kind of sit here, say my haze, how are you? You know, but most of the time I'm kind of just like this. You use that while you work? Yep. If someone may have a question, maybe they might not approach you because they think you're busy. You know, they don't want to interrupt your personal. Well, that's actually never happened to me. People love to interrupt here. I'm not a slave. I don't work for you. With some people, I just want to punch them in the face sometimes. Members, they're they're literally stupid. They don't know anything. Do you want to do smoothies? Uh, yeah, I think it's great. They're really important. This is the menu, how we make it. It's super explanatory. Like, you would be literally brain dead if you can't get it. This is our peanut butter and chocolate. Now, we're not supposed to put more than what it says on the menu. And it says on the menu, one pump. I always put two and a half. Tastes better, honestly. That makes a disgusting shake, honestly. Okay. So what I always do, one, and hold juice. Fill it to the top. Right. Don't overflow it, because then you'll make a mess. Put it in the sink. I noticed that there was like extra in here. Like, what do you, do you guys I like make samples out. out of that? You don't offer I, it to the member no, at all? Just dump it out. Do you want to show me how to make a shake? Sure, if you'd like. Dirty like, yeah. peanut. Are we doing it uh, the way it says? No, you're going to do it the way I told you. Okay, so we want two of these from you, right? That's not a full one. And a, okay. You gotta pick up the pace, dude. That's enough ice. Okay. I would normally hit the code. But... Okay, well, I'm telling you the way people like it. Okay. But if you don't want to listen to me, that's all good. You don't have to win. It's all I good would for me. love to listen to you. Okay. I just think that maybe we would go with the code. But go you know ahead, what? go with the we'll code, dude. The... First of all, Barry's awkward. He's condescending. He's not absorbing anything that I'm saying. How come this isn't punching? Not rocket science. It's a hole puncher. We got a tough drill instructor over here today. I know. Maybe if you listen to me, I don't know. Good luck, buddy. Maybe. I'm going to need it today. I'm going to kill him. <laughs> this is his employer, as far as she knows. She's his employer. See, these people are always told, like, they basically they're told that there's, like, some kind of reality show going on, and therefore, they don't know that they're on under undercover boss. And they think they're just talking to somebody who works for them. These kinds of toxic personalities were extremely common during the recession because they had their boots on our throats and they knew it. As pathetic as it was during the recession when the, when the unemployment was high, they knew they held, held all the cards. So they could just talk to you like this and it was normal. This one, the Berry Slim. So Berry Slim, sure. And this goes in the 16 ounce cup, I assume it just happens to say that. No, you just do a full cup. You do it in the full cup? You don't have to go by the book with every situation in your life. <laughs> the menu says medium notice. Yeah, it? but I'm telling you this way. Oh, this is how I'm telling oh, well, you. Then. Are you new here? Yes. Today. Lucky me. I'm gonna make you the best shake in the world right now. Just do it because you're taking way too long. It has to be fast paced. I want you to stop talking. So we're gonna be working together today, yeah? Yes. On your competition. Are you excited? Yeah. yeah. I'm a little nervous. Okay, don't worry about it. You have a great teacher. Oh, good. Standard procedure is to greet the customer as they walk in and say, hello, welcome to Boston Market, you know, blah, 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 whatever. Because we have to make customers, you know, on a pedestal. This is the lobby. It does get busy, mm -hmm. but it's generally just people taking too long to eat. Okay. But, you know, you'll love me. It's okay. I'm like the Kim Kardashian of Boston Market. <laughs> it's great. So. You should be asking customers, like, hey, would you like to sample are loaded mashed potatoes. It shouldn't be a question. You should be forcing it down their throat because that is what corporate has told us to do. We don't ask questions. We just, we just work like robots. When putting pecan pie into the thing, it has to look like that at all times. Otherwise, we get in trouble because Boston Market, again, ridiculous standards. Remember that. This is a sandwich station. I hate making sandwiches. Customers always have something picky about a sandwich to do. So... My least favorite part is the customer always has to be right. I absolutely hate that. We have some mundane activities that we need to get done.
Now, one of the messed up things about this kind of scenario when you're working for a guy like this, he's literally training her to do things wrong or undermining it. And if somebody higher up than him comes in, you're going to be the one who gets yelled at. Literally every day, the rules for operating places like this seem to change based upon which manager is on the floor. And that can change at any moment. And if for some reason you can't keep up with the fact that each one of these managers has their own way of fucking things up, then you're the one who's going to get ridden up. You're the one who's going to get screamed at. You're the one who's going to get publicly humiliated. Like that chick you saw like belittling that guy. She thought she was teaching how to make smoothies earlier. This guy is a different kind of problem. This is the kind of person who hates his customers and really shouldn't be in this kind of job in the first place, to be honest. And that's actually what's going to happen later. Um, he also doesn't realize he's talking to like a high level corporate manager at Boston Market. And I hate doing them, so I'm basically gonna make you do them. Oh, great. I am a little bit of a diva. Everyone always has something to say about me. Someone is always hating on me, even though I'm the best, and there's not really that much to hate on me about. You need to take this inside. What? Can you take this inside? I'm gonna go smoke. Okay. Children and old people are literally the worst I've ever seen in my entire life because none of them know what they want and they're like literally can't talk. So you just kind of have to deal with it. Our guests are our bread and butter. They pay our checks. They keep our, our businesses open. They pay his paycheck. They're just going to be here dealing with their children. And we just have to wait. I don't know how hard it is to read a menu, but you know. At Boston Market, one of the things that we serve the most are family meals. And families include kids and they include older people. We can't have him disparaging our, our guests like that. Have you had one of these? Have you tried them? You can eat one. I won't care. I won't tell Oh, them. that's okay. Are you sure? I'm not hungry. I'm getting progressively more upset as he continues to talk. I have a question. Yes. How much are you talking smack and how much of this stuff about eating customers is okay. really true? 75% of it is true. They'll throw a hissy fit. You, can, you don't have the right to do that. You can't do that. We depend on our management to put forth the best product and experience that we can. So I, I, I was dismayed to hear that. It's unacceptable to our brand. I literally hate customers more than the entire world. I hate them. I don't want to have to work. I'm working in the front of the house. I'm cleaning tables, cleaning the machine. To just uh, answer the comments about why some people stop watching Undercover Boss because it looks staged. Um, I'm not saying that could not have ever happened, but I'm also telling you that even if this was dramatization, I've worked for people like that all my life. This is a different kind of boss. This is the girl that thinks that she's, um, well, God's gift to men and believes that she's going to marry a rich guy. And she's only doing this because she has to for now. She's going to explain all of that, but watch the way she belittles this guy. Again, these are the working conditions that these people fostered, and they all. You, sometimes you can just tell personality-wise they're getting off on it. Machines from the front, the drip trays, just taking care of the front of house. And she was not really walking me through the steps and explaining. Throw that stuff in that. Cardboard? Duh. She's more expecting me to pick up clues and hints of what she's trying to communicate, okay? This is not how I envision training of a new team member in our organization. Can you tie my shoe? Please, I have chocolate on my hand. Oh my God. Thanks, friend. <laughs> Why am I doing this? I'm just gonna start calling you Jeeves. Jeeves, get the slicer. 
Okay. I don't have to do anything. Getting the slicer. Okay, Jeeves. So is there any particular way to do it? Kill as quick as you can. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It's asking me a million questions. Why are you asking me all these questions? We're not on a date. Working here at Menchie's, um, pretty much sucks. I feel like pretty people shouldn't have to do anything. Pretty people should not do anything. Yeah, I plan okay. to marry a plastic surgeon and not have to do anything. I just work here because I like money and I have expensive taste and I need things. Listen, do you train new team members? Yeah. So what you're doing with me right now, is this something you do by yourself to other team members or no? Yeah. I'm just really good at telling people what to do, so. Okay. I guess and, that's and, how you're, I got here. and you're a shift leader, right? Yep. Got it. He's like, oh, so you're good at bossing people around? I was like, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I am. I'm yeah. a professional, actually. Get it right. <laughs> with a team member like Drew, I'm thinking, what should I do with her? She does not embody the vows that I stand upon. First thing, I'm going to show you how to roll a burrito. I'm going to show you one time. If you don't understand, don't ask me again. Ask one of them. Why are you being ask. so strict? Because this is how I am with everybody. What are you doing wrong already? This guy, this guy here the one like he doesn't realize again he's talking to his ceo this is completely accurate i've worked for dozens of managers like this before this guy is totally getting off on shitting on his employees talk the sides talk talk flip the back come across all the way to the top Hurry up. good probably one of the slowest people here so when your order gets fucked up now I want you to imagine that you were trained by somebody acting like that. Oh, was uh, a little flippant with me. You're gonna take over from here. You hear me? Take over. He's a little bit too direct for, for just meeting me today. Mindy, do this one. Show him how to hold these. I just got back. Shut it. Well, as the leader of the brand, I don't like to see managers run a shift like this. It's not a professional atmosphere. Anytime a customer walks in, yell, welcome to Moe's. Loud as you can, all right? Welcome to Moe's. Welcome to Hey, Mark, I wanna hear you down there too. Uh, welcome to Moe's. A little bit louder. Welcome to Moe's. Every time, Mark, every time. Welcome to Moe's. Tito, on a couple of occasions, has tried to yell at me or, or tell me that I've not done something right. Someone's not saying something. Welcome to Moe's. I don't like being yelled at. Welcome, welcome to Moe's. <laughs> One of the reasons why I enjoy moments like this is that this is the kind of corporate CEO who would show up to do an inspection and everybody would have to shit themselves when he walked in the door. And if everything was not the way he wanted it, then he'd be really upset. And then the managers would get shat on by him, who in turn shit on their employees. It's a shit waterfall. That's exactly how this stuff works. And now he's experiencing what it's like to be an employee working for the people that he is giving, usually giving ridiculous demands to. Like, I need you to close the store with half as many people as our actual like processes say you should. You know, I need you to get the drive-through times down. Yes, I'm aware of the fact that your speaker's not functioning right and that the customers have a hard time, you know, but we just have decided we're not fixing that yet, but I need you to get that shit down. Those kinds of demands would happen of employees on a regular basis. So to be somewhat fair, there are also managers that are acting like that because they've just been worn down by it. I had a friend who became a manager and I was, I cringed because I was like, this is going to rot your soul, you know? So I don't want to dehumanize all managers, but this guy, like this situation in particular, like I would have loved to have been a fucking employee when this happened. You guys say it? He said it. Okay. I got that. A little bit louder, a little bit louder. I got, I got that. He's never happy. Mike, sweep the line. 
Oh my God, you are just a ding dong. I'm not okay with what is happening in front of the guests. You leave that phone back there one more time. That's your ass. What he's doing behind that line is unbelievable. A trained shift supervisor would not be directing employees in the manner that Tito is directing them. Tito, where are you going? I help him. He's just saying, do this, do that. That's that's not a good thing. Inside, I'm saying to myself, I'm the president of this brand, and I'm actually evaluating your performance right now. And I look forward to the day that he finds out who he was bossing around. Yeah, you all have a space for a 45-foot pull-through third now this one uh and a lot of people commented in support of this gal because holy shit she was so nice to this asshole on the fucking phone um but so this one's more of an example of what it's like trying to deal with some of the customers and it's been shown that during covid probably because everybody's like really really stressed uh customers have been worse worse than they've ever been Let's see here. Hey, hang on. My manager who's here is going to help. I'm just training today. Okay. Hi, my name's Sadie. I'm going to help you right now, hon. You said um, July 3rd arriving? July 3rd, 45-foot um, motor coach with um, a car towed behind it, a pull-through. So you need a pull-through. Okay, give us just a second. Okay, so for this system here, this is called campsite. Okay, I always use this system. So let's register you into 368 first. How is that possible? My computer's being a little a little slow on me. It's a very archaic system. It's not very user-friendly. The computer goes down, then the receipts go down, and then we have to reset it. We got a little malfunction here, guys. Front desk to guest services, please. Sadie is immediately overcome by guests, so it's 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 like a tsunami. <sighs> Just a second, guys. We're, it's going slow. But she's got a diversity of needs here, and the KOA technology right now is not meeting them. Sorry to make you. So, like, I used to work for a hotel that was still using a program uh, that ran on Windows ninety five. So for those of you who remember Windows 95, frequent crashes, constant problems, and they never upgraded it because, again, you know, got to save them dollars. To this CEO's credit, he's actually showing empathy for this poor lady. You wait. You can't be on hold for five minutes, idiot. I don't have time for this crap. I'm sorry? And isn't 11 late for check-in? Right, but we have to go down and clean the site. That's ridiculous. All campgrounds are that way. I want to talk to the manager. That's me. My name is Sadie, and I'm the store manager. You sure don't sound like a manager. Yeah, but you're being incredibly rude to me, and I'm trying to help you. I'm just standing there just being a wallflower, and it just it was just ripping me apart inside. I'm not going to be screamed at, and I'm not going to have someone just sit there and degrade me while I'm trying to help you. I was trying to help you, and you're still arguing with me, and I'm still trying to help you. Tell you what, honey. Why don't you put whoever's really in charge on the phone and go back to painting your nails? He's not in, but I can transfer to his voicemail. Do that. Thank you. You're welcome. So that's something that happens. That's normal. It's every day. Every day. All right, what's the day? Your job. You saw the way she reacted when she got off that phone. She's used to that at this point. And that poor girl was busting her ass to be as nice to that guy as possible. And, like, the inkling I'm having listening to it is like, Jesus, you know what? Hey, man, could you come into the store? Yeah, yeah, I'd like to help you out with your problem and then knock him the fuck out. And then all those customers are irritated. Some of them actually will uh, empathize with you. Some of them will not. <laughs> and it'll be your fault, and they'll get up to the counter, and they'll be total shitbags to you. And don't forget, some of these people are still making seven twenty-five an hour.
and send all this through the dishwasher. Okay. When they come through the door, yep. make them put wherever you want. They're basically your slaves. That's what it is. When the pots come here, you put them in the water. Sometimes you have to scrub them, sometimes you don't. And that's basically it. You're going to do that, and I'm going to do this in the front. You're going to do this, so how are we going to do this? Right now, you're going to run both positions. Sometimes it happens. <laughs> Sometimes. It never happens, man. Oh, yes, it does. If it does, your manager's not doing a good job. Oh, well. How do I run these trays through? On what? You're running the dish room right now, so it's all up to you. It's basically crash and burn, because when I'm in here, I don't have I only have time enough to show the basics, and then that's it, and then we I have to one go. minute of training. If you can't okay. do it, then you can't do it. Well, I mean, you gave me one minute of training. That's not fair, and I would not I would hope you give other people more than one minute of training. So, Sky, man, how long have you been here? A couple months. Again. This personality, I've met people just like this. Worked for people just like this. Especially during the recession. Because they can just shit all over you. What are you going to do? Not pay your bills? What are you going to do? Not pay your rent? So you got to take it. And they know that. Who trained you? Nobody, basically. Basically exactly what I've done to you. They gave you one minute of training? Mike thought he knew it all. Instead of sitting back there complaining about one minute, this, that, and the other, he should just shut his mouth and did what he's supposed to do. This is actually kind of fun. I guess for one day, yeah. Oh, it's not a bad job. It sucks. I hate doing dishes. Ernest, I really need to see you, if you don't mind, for a minute back in your office. Is that okay? That's great. All right, let's go back. Try to tell me, you only gave me a one-minute training. You're only here for a day. I'm going to strangle this man. He keeps talking back to me. <laughs> okay. But it's not hard. So, anyway... Again, guys, I know some people in the chat are saying that they think some of that is staged, staged but regardless, um, you guys, um, what happened? Did I get cut off just from playing that clip? Huh. wonder if I'm still up on Twitch. I guess we'll find out. Figures. Let me see what it says. Let me see if I'm still one second. Testing, check this stuff out. Yeah, it looks like it's working just fine over here. All right, I'm going to give everybody the link to Twitch since it's already up and going. There you go, guys. If you're on YouTube, come join us on Twitch. I'll keep going there. Yeah, it's weird how that stuff works. So. Uno momento, por favor. 
All right, there we go. So anyway, um, going to take just a moment to head over to Twitch. Oh, okay. All right. So I guess it's still, it started back up on YouTube because it thinks I'm not playing the copyrighted material anymore or whatever, but um, I'm only, I was only planning to play a couple more things. All right. So we'll continue. And then if not, you know, jump on Twitch because it's already over there, guys. Um, I'll just drop that once again in here. You probably use some more. You guys should be subscribed over there too anyway. That's specifically why I have things on multiple platforms. So anyway, you can either switch to Twitch or stay here and see whether or not they're going to jump on, you know, throw me off again. But I don't think they will because I'm not planning to play too much more mainstream media stuff. This is the rest of the stuff's all going to be YouTube based. So anyway, I also wanted to take a moment and share this clip with y'all. Uno Monto. Here we go. This is a Jimmy John's employee who's clearly had his soul taken out of him. Now, there's no sound in this video, um, but he's being held up, and you're going to watch just how utterly casual this dude handles it, that there's a guy who's about to point a gun at him and rob the store. And it, the funny thing is, is he gives the guy the money with the same casual nature you would expect him to hand you or your sandwiches. This clip is fantastic. It's also funny that this robber doesn't know how to like operate his gun. So Oh man. So notice this dude's demeanor, his like body language does not in the slightest change. <laughs> Like, yeah, okay, man, here you go. Yeah, okay, cool. Oh, did you want the change too? Here you go, man. You don't, oh, okay, that's fine. I'll, I guess I'll keep the few dimes you left behind. No problem, bro. Have a nice day. And then a second later, you're going to see him throw his gloves in the garbage can. <laughs> that dude had all the chill man he had all the chill like just like not in any way now the reason i chose to play that clip is because it's an example of what i you meant about um that you get to a point where in some of these places where they've just sucked your soul out and when that happens you just don't care anymore and you certainly don't care about the money you know um it's their money and they don't care about you you know, and let me give you guys uh, like, you know, switching gears, I guess, in the direction of customers for a while. We're going to watch this compilation of really crazy customers and I'll share some insight with you. Actually, before we get into this, I have to share this anecdote right now, okay? I was working at a Taco Bell, 
and one of our fellow employees literally got ran over by her ex-husband in the parking lot while we were working. As in that happened while we were working, we saw it happen because he was trying to kill her. She's laying in a pool of blood, right? We call the cops. They get there. You know, they're putting her in the ambulance. They did get the guy. He got arrested and put away. One of the corporate managers was present at the time. And it was like, okay, guys, let, let's get back to work while this is still unfolding. Like, that happened for real in my life. They, they were all about getting back to work. Like, they didn't even care. Like, this was just another cog in the machine. And this one apparently got hit, you know, by a car, by her ex-husband trying to kill her. Like that's, and like some of the employees just looked at the dude. Are like, are you, are you fucking kidding me? Like that, because it happened in view of everybody at the store. And she was actually a really sweet girl. And the corporate boss was like, okay, everybody, let's get back to work. Get back to making those tacos. Anyway. All right. So now let's look at some crazy customers. You have to be going about cops. I will. You don't. Thank Fuck you. you too, bitch. All right. You fucking call the cops. Go right ahead. You want me to call the cops? You are fucking phony cocksucker. I'd like to punch your fucking hey. lights out. Jesus Christ, baby. Jesus Christ. And I ordered a pizza. So, yeah, came to get the pizza. And this manager, she's assistant store manager. She's really tough. My customer here said, up this, up that. And I said, are you the manager? I take a moment because this is a problem um this does happen you know i i'm trying to give the other perspective but let me tell you how this happens so i worked at the taco bell that i mentioned earlier and for whatever reason um they would not offer even a competitive wage like locally they were still literally paying 725 an hour while other places were paying nine and when i remember sitting down and talking to one of the the managers, the the corporate managers about it because they have their open door policy. And the guy was like, well, we couldn't, you know, we couldn't offer that or we'd have to put plywood in the doors and close this place down. And it's funny now because now, well, all of a sudden they all have money 
like they can offer people more money that money that they claim didn't exist but at the time what it meant <laughs> was that the only kind of people we would get were the ones that nobody else wanted to hire because that meant the drug addicts and the crazy people, you know, and all that. Um, so then he'd be upset that that's the kind of people that they hired, but that's literally the only people they could get was literally people that even McDonald's wouldn't hire. And so sometimes the situation, I'm not saying there's never crappy employees at these places because there are, but the reason that it often happens is because they won't pay people and good people, competent people, happy people, they're not going to go work for that. So you end up with the, the people with felonies and stuff who, you know, are out of jail or on probation. Frequently, they're meth addicts, you know, and that's the funny thing is I don't even live in the ghetto anymore. And this was true. So in any case, I just wanted to address this because this is valid. I'm not I'm not saying there's never terrible employees. We'll go back to watching this Karen complain about his pizzas. <laughs> I don't order online. Oh, Jesus. And you're a disgruntled, retarded person. Oh, oh. an employee. Can you see this? Yes, here and shatter that. I'm asking to leave my store. I have the cops coming because he will not leave my store. Can you guys please call well, me? Well, at first she was going to steal the pizza up? after we paid Stealing for it. Stealing pizza. I paid for my pizza. Get out of store. Get out of store. Over some pizza. I think you take that there. I said, hold on. Now I gave him pizza. Oh, no, I can avoid it. I can avoid it right off the credit card. Bro, this chick has two complaining customers. There's the cops. Thank you. It'll take the meeting or whatever. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to cancel the payment on your card. Your money back on your card for the next two to five business days. So that's it, and you have a lovely day. Okay. Thank you. trying to figure out why I couldn't get my sandwich. Because my manager said something. Okay, I had ordered my sandwich at... Okay, so you have to leave right now. I had ordered my sandwich at 310. 20 minutes went by, and I still didn't have my sandwich. Okay, sorry. We asked you to leave. I had a whole camera. We asked him to leave. Goodbye.
Uh-oh, what happened there? Oops, sorry about that, guys. We'll get back to that in a second. <laughs> anyway. There we go. Um, what is it? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Shouldn't be muted. Can you guys hear it now? Do you know anything? You don't need to be working in customer service. You can't answer a damn direct question. Uh, Julie obviously doesn't know how to manage this place. Where is she? We got a thousand dollars in purchases that we're fixing to return because y'all can't get your shit together. Who are you? Okay. I'm one of the managers. Where's your boss? She's on her lunch break. Who's Roger What's Washington? The, he's the store manager. Where's he? He's not here right now. When What's will he be here? I'm not. I don't know. I just does got he here work right here? here? Yes, I just got here myself. Okay. When does he come in here? Let me talk. I don't want to talk know. to you. You don't know how to do a job at all. Excuse me. I want to talk to Roger. He's not here. We just spent twelve hundred dollars okay. down there. I want to talk to somebody who knows how to run a store. If you will explain to me what the problem is. I don't is. want to talk to you. That's why I don't understand. Where is Roger? When does I he don't work? Know. What hours does he work? I don't know. I just He's got supposed here. to be a manager, but he doesn't work. I just got here. I don't know when he When does he come in? in? Do you have I, a schedule? I just got to you. I don't know. Can you go look at a schedule? I'm not allowed to give that information out to you. You can't tell me that. when he works here and he's a manager? No, I cannot give that information out. Very simple process, man. You know, very simple. All I asked, all I asked for, you see, you see, this has not. I didn't see nothing. To, I didn't see nothing today. I'm asking for. You're talking about something that happened last year, okay? I'm talking about today. I purchased a cup of coffee today, and all I expect your employee to do is say thank you, okay? And for you to be, for, he did not apologize for that. You're lying. You're lying. He didn't say thank you, and you're lying. You wasn't even around when I when he was served me. You're being very argumentative and completely unprofessional. You're being very. Uh, this is my evidence. Okay. This is. This is. I'm gonna have to call security right now. You can call security. This is my evidence. I'm going to submit to Starbucks. You're talking about something that happened last year, okay? Okay, I complained about you last year, okay? Okay, okay. you're very unprofessional. You shouldn't be working here. You shouldn't be working here. You shouldn't be working here, man. With that type of attitude, are you racist or something towards black people? Right? A very simple. All I ask is a very simple courtesy: is to say thank you. Okay. The Asian when I spend guy, my money yep. in any business, must be racist. No, no, no. I asked this guy to say thank you when I buy my cup of coffee, and he, they they want to make an issue out of this. Okay, they want to make an issue out of. Uh, today I bought some coffee today, and all oh I ask these God. guys anywhere I go, to, every Starbucks that I go to, they always say thank you. It's just very professional. I know the second time I purchased this coffee from this individual over here. Stop filming me. He 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 refused. He refused to say thank you. He refused. This is my this is my evidence. This is my evidence. Your behavior is my evidence. Your behavior is my evidence. Okay. Now 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 today I asked them why can't you say thank you? He's talking about something that happened last year. You're talking about something that happened last year. Okay. What's your name? I'm talking about something that happened today. My name's Stahl. 
Stall. My name's Stall. Listen, today I bought a cup of coffee. This is my second cup of coffee here tonight. Okay, my second cup. And I asked the guy, why don't you say thank you? I asked this guy, why doesn't he say thank you? And he, they want to make an issue. Right now? They want to make an issue out of this. My permission right now? Yeah. This is my evidence. I have a right. I have a right to film. You want me to show you this awesome? property? Yeah. I have a right. This must to be why Antifa is always busting What is up going the on here? Okay, as my <laughs> evidence. Pardon me. Absolutely, dude. Right <laughs> okay, so you're saying that your company, you, God will, does not give me permission to do that? Yeah, you can't. Okay, right now. so I can call your company tomorrow yeah, and ask them about. Because I'm not doing anything wrong. No, you're not doing nothing wrong. But this is my evidence here. Well, this is my evidence. I, I realize that. Yeah. But this is my evidence here, okay? I bought this is my second cup of coffee here. They have the right to refuse service. No, I bought this. This is my second cup of coffee. They didn't refuse me service. They gave me this second cup of coffee. I asked the guy, why can't you say thank you when I buy a cup of coffee? That's all I asked him. And they went on to make an issue out of it. No, he did not say thank you. He, he's lying. If you had said that, then there would be no issue right now. Can you imagine spending that much time making a scene because somebody didn't say thank you after you bought a coffee from them? Like, again, now I do all those things because once again, I'm really good at my job. But when you're, especially if you're in a rush, you're being yelled and screamed at, you know, by your managers or whatever, it gets harder and harder to be nice. I remember once I was at an interview um, and uh, one of these comp this company is known for treating their employees like trash and they were opening up a restaurant in our place. And so what came of it was that um, at one point during the orientation, they're telling everybody, you know, just be aware, we're very strict and we're going to be mean. You know, and, you know, that's just the way it is here. If you don't like it, then you can't work at this company, blah, 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 blah. And then in the same orientation, they openly say, but we want everybody to have a positive attitude at all times. You know, if you can't have a positive attitude at all times, then you shouldn't work here. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that works. So anyway, um, this story just came up, but, uh, um, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it, but a Taco Bell employee was shot and killed by a customer attempting to buy food with counterfeit money. So this kind of stuff does happen, which is why that Jimmy John's guy was such a freaking Chad earlier when he was like, oh, yes, sir. Here you go. Do you need the change? <laughs> so, but this kind of crap happens. You know, you can look it up. And before we get off the topic of crazy customers, uh, I do want to play what I would call to be the classic, epic customer freak out. Like probably in my opinion, one of the greatest of all time. So here we go. Family shit! Let's just make a McNuggets in yeah, my hand. I don't want to hear it. It's 10.30 a.m. We don't serve chicken McNuggets at this time. Yes, you do. No, we don't. Why not? Because we do. You know what? Did you just kiss at me? Oh, the just fucking hiss at you. Did you just give me that out of the car? What's going on over there? Don't you fucking run away from me, you family. Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, no. Don't make me assume my ultimate form. I will fuck you up. Wait, I'm going to come in and I'm going to wreck you. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. I'm going to try to swallow you. 
You know what that was about? Was like that girl was upset that they weren't serving chicken McNuggets because it was breakfast time. And you know, people get irritated with that. Like they don't understand what goes on. But like, depending on where you work, if they've had to switch from breakfast to lunch, there's all these protocols that you have to follow. There's equipment that may not even be working anymore, that may not even be turned on or heated up. Um, and that's the reason that they can't do it. You know, and I get it. Sometimes it feels annoying, you know, um, but at the same time, like there's all these rules that we're supposed to follow, like especially like if we're switching from one kind of meat to another kind of meat or whatever, whatever, whatever. So that's the reason why. And if you say, well, it's only one minute after, then you go, okay. And then somebody pulls up and they're like, well, it's only two minutes after. Or like, oh, you did it for the guy ahead of me. You know, and that's the reason it just doesn't, that's the reason it just doesn't work. Can't do it. Can't just be bending the rules all the time for everybody who might want to decide that their breakfast is more important. You know, it actually reminds me of that funny scene from Falling Down when he pulls out a Tech 9 because <laughs> he wants breakfast. <laughs> says, I want to see her ultimate form. <laughs> she was freaking nuts, dude. Yep. Oh, my God, bro. So, again, you know, do you want to get paid $7.25 an hour to deal with that? You know? And more to the point, like, you'd probably go find a better job, right? Where customers aren't so freaking crazy. Don't even get me started on working the night shift. You know, especially uh, working the night shift, you know, in a place that, like, I used to work at a Burger King that was next to a bar. So the people I would get, oh, my God, dude, it was just out there. You know, so before we go off the the topic of uh, crazy customers, I want to give a couple of anecdotes. So... The obsession with the belief that we intentionally screw up people's orders is just knows no bounds. And so I worked at KFC. KFC's menu is really strange, okay, because they're trying to have some fast foodie style options. Um, But uh, the problem with that is that the, the way that their menu is set up is actually kind of expensive. So they're trying to create situations where they can offer you a meal. Like, so they were doing these $5 fill-up meals, right? And so what you would end up with is, as a consequence of that discount, ordering the thing by itself, like ordering the item by itself, ended up being sometimes as much as $2 more expensive than uh, just going ahead and, you know, going ahead and buying the $5 fill-up. So, for example, one of these things was the the mashed potato bowl and if you bought that by itself it was over a dollar 89 more expensive than just buying a five dollar fill-up so this sweet girl is working the counter okay and i want to i want to point out i've never been a manager of one of these places but i'm frequently the one who gets sent to handle these people some of it's because i'm six foot two and a big dude 
But some of it's also because I'm pretty good at de-escalating. So anyway, the sweet girl rings him up for the $5 fill-up, even though he just wants the famous bowl, the mashed potato bowl, right? And she does that to save him money. You know, and, and to our manager's credit, they actually encourage that. So he only wants the mashed potato bowl, right? But, you know, with the, you know, they put chicken and corn and cheese in it. They're pretty tasty. So this dude comes back in, and I shit you not, starts yelling and screaming and cussing at this poor girl. And I just kind of nod at the managers like, yep, I got it. And I walk over there, and I said, sir, what's the problem? And he's like, you guys fucking do this to me every fucking time. I'm like, what's the problem, sir? And he's like, well, look at this receipt. You know, I just wanted the bowl. And then I said, and she was trying to explain the same thing to you that I'm explaining to you right now, which is that, well, I bring it up that way because it's actually $1.89 cheaper. And I said, so what is it that is wrong? He's like, I only wanted the bowl. I'm like, okay, she charged you for the meal because it's cheaper that way and gave you exactly what you wanted, right? Well, no, I didn't want any of that other stuff, right? And you didn't get any of that other stuff, right? Yeah. Do you want the other stuff? No, I just want you to give me what I ordered. He's like, and I said, okay, again, <laughs> you got what you asked for and cheaper. He's like, you people fucking do this to me every time. You're always screwing up my order. And I said, sir, how can I make this right for you? He's like, I said, well, then I said, do you want to give me a $1.89? He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, the only thing that changed here is you got exactly what you asked for and paid less for it. So if what you're telling me is every time you come in here, somebody gives you exactly what you asked for and you paid less for it, th that's what you're upset about. Meanwhile, the other customers in the building are looking at him like he's a fucking moron because it really... The, the girl was trying to save him almost two bucks. He's like, whatever. He picks up his receipt and he storms out. No apologies. We That guy became a legend in that store's history. We called him $1.89 guy. Because he was pissed off that somebody undercharged him for what he wanted. Sometimes you run into these people and you're like, is this guy just looking to find somebody to bully? Like, is there something going on in their life? That leads them to go, man, you know what? My fucking boss was a dick to me. So to continue this shit, uh, you know, remember what I called it earlier, a shit waterfall. I'm going to go find myself a minimum wage employee to bitch out. Some of my favorites are the ones that act like maybe if they yell and scream at some poor teenage kid who's making $7.25 an hour about corporate policies, that that teenage kid just has a line to the president of McDonald's and can pick up their phone and say, hey, this customer said this to me. Like maybe if I, maybe if you're a real shithead to some poor nervous girl who's already being mistreated by their managers, most likely, then you can change corporate policy, whether it's about portions, prices, what the fuck ever. You know, it's just, it's ridiculous. Those people just want a confrontation. Exactly, Eric Foams, exactly. Some of these people have some unresolved issue in their life and they want to be in a circumstance of power. And so they show up and they fucking shit on you. Like, and, and as a consequence, you know, the funny thing is, is that if the manager gets in trouble for it, the shit waterfall continues because <laughs> then you're going to be in trouble twice. So, you know, again, I de-escalated by just telling that guy the truth was that he got what he asked for and he didn't have to pay as much for it.
We didn't have to give them that discount. The funny thing is, is that our policy of doing that is actually against corporate policy. Our regular managers realize that the prices are screwed up at KFC and they never really fix the, the software. So we just do it on our own. Like the, the $20 fill up was another one. Like that's not even supposed to exist anymore, but because some of that shit's so overpriced, some of these people literally, they'll just say, no, 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 just give them the family fill up. But yeah, so $1.89 guy, you know, again, you know, we did him so wrong by charging him less and giving him exactly what he wanted. The guy admitted there was nothing wrong with his food. The guy admitted he got exactly what he asked for and paid less for it. So, yeah, don't let corporate hear that. Nope, they'd be pretty pissed off, wouldn't they? You know, so now I want to move on to discussing what it was like working for these places during the pandemic. Okay. And this is true of retail and fast food. Okay. Now, obviously, I don't have a right, a lot of right-wing conservatives who listen to my show as well. So be patient for a second. I need you in order to grasp what this is about, to put yourself back into the shoes, like all the way back in the beginning of this, when we thought that this thing, the unspecified virus of unknown origin, as Baring calls it, was going to kill a lot of people. Okay. We thought this thing was deadly. You know, um, they were going to kill so many people with this thing, right? The corporations that own these kinds of businesses were scrambling to figure out how to maximize profits under those circumstances. And I want to tell you, because I was working there at the time, these corporations told people, rather workers, and again, remember, this is when we think that this thing is really dangerous and it's going to kill a bunch of people. We were under the impression that masks might offer us protection. We were not allowed to wear them. We were under the impression that gloves would allow us protection. We were not allowed to wear them. And the reason why directly was because it might frighten away customers. And they expected everybody to show up. And again, it didn't matter. Like, did you have some kind of like, uh, morbidity that might cause this to be more dangerous to you? Do you have children at home? All of that's secondary. They, they didn't care. Um, we were not allowed to protect ourselves because it might have harmed their bottom line. And, and I know, once again, now that we're all kind of looking at it going, well, this thing wasn't really that bad. Okay, no, I get it. But at that time, they thought and honestly believed that it was and just didn't care. They knew that that policy was going to kill people who worked for them, and the people who bought their product. They didn't care. And that was true in retail, and it was, in true, it was true in these restaurants. And the one thing I got to say is, while some customers did get worse, some of them actually got really nice because they considered us like heroes for staying open and working. I get tips. You're not supposed to get tips working at a lot of these places, but people would give me tips because they just wanted to thank me for being there. So I got I to give that. But just let it sink in for a second. When you're asking yourself, why don't these people want to work for these companies anymore? You got to remember that the reason why is that they made cognitive decisions that at the time we believed was going to kill hundreds of thousands of people for the sake of selling some more burgers. Now ask yourself, you work for that company and they're begging you to come back. Now, it only gets worse because after that, they started 
because uh, business drastically went down because again, everybody was scared of this pandemic. They were worried that we, a lot of people were going to die. Right. So then they um, started just cutting people's hours without warning. Usually how this would go would be whoever was working at the time would call people that maybe they were less friendly with and just tell them not to come in. Right. And that meant people with families, all that. It wasn't about who was the harder worker. It became about politics, determined who got to work and who didn't. So this is when we want to work and because we, we still got to pay all of our bills. And once again, this is before any relief funds were passed. So we're literally talking about people working in their life and the business goes down and they start just cutting all of our hours. Now, I get it. You know, they, they, they're trying to make sure that they can stay open or whatever, sort of. Most of the people who own these things are actually extremely wealthy and they own a lot of them. So I get it. But at the same time, they did this to people. And then here's what's messed up. Okay. Michigan has underemployment, which means if your employer fucks you over and starts just cutting your hours, you're eligible for unemployment. So as soon as they figured out, oh, shit. You know, us cutting everybody's hours like that makes them eligible. How do they handle that? They literally told these people, the managers meaning, to carefully schedule us just enough to try to disqualify us from underemployment. So that meant they made the cognitive decision that they were going to make sure that we had just enough hours to not qualify for the tiny amount of underemployment we would have gotten, but also make sure you know, that their bottom line was set at the best. So they were going to put us out of our homes. That meant that they made the cognitive decision that they, that it was more important that they stay open than in, you know, under the circumstances in which they wanted than it was for us to be able to pay our rent in order for us to pay our bills. All of that was secondary. So again, why don't they want to work? You know, well, would you want to work for anybody who did that to you? This is why I don't feel bad for these people at all not a little and the other thing is is remember whether you believe in the 15 dollars minimum wage or not they always told us the same thing i told you earlier that that taco bell corporate employee said we can't afford that we can't afford that or we'd have to close yet oddly enough somehow the money is magically appearing now that they've been forced to do that now there's one more thing about that taco bell conversation i wanted to bring up because there's a guy who was a friend of mine who worked at that same store, at Taco Bell. And he pointed out, that guy you were just talking to, yeah. He makes like six figures an hour, or a year, not an hour. I'm like, yeah, what about it? He's like, and he gets paid vacation. And I'm like, okay, well, what about it? He's like, he comes in here into these restaurants for about a half hour to piss all over everybody, make people feel uncomfortable and afraid. Then he'll go sit out in the lobby for a half hour on his phone. Then he gets back in his car and he leaves. That's what he does for this company. The reason that they can't afford to give us reasonable wages is because there are a shitload of people like him. And he was right. Working for that company, that was crazy. Okay, because there were there was like six or seven layers of these kinds of like six-figure managers who work for these companies who are usually people you guys will not interact with, I might add, who make who are a huge drain. Well, who do you think also tells the higher-ups whether or not we should raise wages? Well, that would be them. 
these middle managers, basically people who are utterly useless to the company. And the funny thing is I remember that same guy cause he was really egotistical shithead. And you know, he would talk about, well, I work hard, you know, blah, blah, blah. I did dishes the other day. And I'm like, motherfucker, shut up. <laughs> like you did dishes for 15 minutes. Get the fuck out of here. And again, these are the people that are going to yell and scream and curse. And the reason why my fellow employee didn't like them is that guys like that drive people out of the job. And then we're all just standing around. We don't have enough people to work here. But yeah, they have the money now. Somehow now they have the money to pay people a reasonable wage. And they're, they're starting to get some people back. But a lot of people just don't want to come back to this environment. And that, that's what I was getting at. Now, I'm going to play some of the... There was another YouTuber who got his... And I've talked about this multiple times in my streams. There's another YouTuber who got his hands on a corporate phone call early on in the pandemic from GameStop. And let me go ahead and pull this up. Basically, he worked for there once and then he's he's always been talking about him since. And so what I'm going to tell you guys is, you know, you should go ahead and um, uh, obviously subscribe to this dude. He does some cool stuff. But I'm going to pull him up now. We're going to watch some of what he did together. Because he got his hands on literally a secret GameStop corporate phone call. And he uploaded it. And they actually, um, ironically, they actually tried to sue him and come after him. and Because they did not want this information out there. Now, to give you a little bit of background, first of all, on the retail situation, specifically when it comes to GameStop. Okay is that retail places like GameStop were already hurting before the pandemic because of the fact that um, people are just ordering stuff off of Amazon or they're getting their games on Steam, you know, or, you know, they're just, it's a, it's a dying thing. That's why the malls are dying. That's why the, um, it's, you know, why a lot of these stores are dying. Even like some of the, the department stores are dying. So these companies are hurting, right? And as a consequence, that's also why the GameStop stock went down, which is why there's a bunch of um, Reddit activists who are now buying up the stock to screw them over. But in any case, I want you guys to think for a moment again. Once again, you got to rewind in your mind, okay? This, I'm going to remember that, rewind in your mind. Um, that the time frame in which this is going on is once again, during the pandemic, when we all thought, Lots of people were going to die from this. And this was the corporate attitude of this company. And they they took a lot of crap for staying open because they're staying open and claiming they're an essential business in the middle of the pandemic. And the reason why is because they did get a huge surge of business because people wanted to buy video games because they thought they were going to be stuck, you know, um, in their houses. So... GameStop looking at their bottom line went, well, oh, this is huge for us, man, we got to be, you know, we got to be essential workers, you know, we got to make sure we keep our stores open. And they just don't care. They, they, they didn't care about who they might kill. They didn't care about killing employees. They didn't care about killing their customers. So again, ask yourself, would you want to work for a company that does this? So all credit to this dude, his, his, his channel is called Camelot331. He's actually got a lot of subscribers and I can see why. But this was a big deal, and like they came after him hard for releasing this information. And they're going to play some of his commentary, and I'm going to pause it periodically and give some of mine. So check him out. This is pretty insane. And let me tell you one thing. 
the associates that work in these stores, the managers, are so pissed off about how GameStop is handling this whole situation. They are livid, and you're about to hear them right now. Ask their boss, what's going on? The head of stores, it's a regional call with everyone on it, including me. <laughs> but before we get into it, make sure you give this video a thumbs up, doodle, and make sure you subscribe if you haven't. So without further ado, let's... Let's get into it. A few things. Um, first off, just in terms of, of travel itself, um, I asked all uh, AMCMs and Paul um, to stop all travel for the foreseeable future. So your uh, field leaders will be in for sure to visit you. But in some cases, you know what, um, some inventories or uh, visits that were planned, we canceled them because I need yep. everybody uh, on the ground and staying local. That doesn't mean that we'll be reaching out to you uh, with emails and calls, but, you know, for, for what we're going through right now, we have to take, you know, different measures. So that's the position that I, I took and what I want the uh, field leaders to follow, which I know they will. So this is what's happening here. Everybody corporate, like field leaders, which includes district managers, regional leaders, you know, HR, LP, anybody that may be traveling, you know, corporate people, not the people in the stores. They get to stay home. <laughs> They're not going to be traveling. They're going to be staying home, you know, running through emails and stuff. They're not. Those are the kind of people I was talking about, the middle manager types. They arranged to make sure that they were safe. They're going to be going to these stores because they don't want to be subjected to infection. Well, what about the damn associates that's in the store? That's fine. It's fine. Who cares if they're infected, right? They're not really a big deal. We don't really care about them. Let's continue. A lot of information coming through from mall teams without a doubt or mall management. There's a lot of stuff um, through the provincial government, uh, depending where you live, certainly the federal government every day. There's also, unfortunately, there's a lot of rumors, uh, which doesn't help, but that's kind of human nature that happens, especially with social media. So in terms of communication, I'd ask you to really make sure Whatever you hear, um, you make sure it's from a valid source, provincial, federal government, myself, Paul, right, Janine's team, SSD, you know, there's going to be valid communication comes up, there's going to be just craziness. Okay, so what he's saying right here, this guy, by the way, is the head of stores, he's over everybody. This is what he's saying, don't listen to anything you hear, okay, don't listen to none of it, unless it comes from our team like the GameStop team, because they've always told them the truth and been up front with them this whole time about everything else. It's fine. <laughs> Sounds like a legit plan. Let's continue. Um, I know there's been a lot of questions around uh, cleaning, hand wipes, twice, uh, sanitizers, uh, and what have you. Mala, who's in charge of supplies at the office, pushing out um, whatever's left of hand sanitizers to you guys. She's tracking down more to come for next week as you can appreciate with that, and also Clorox White, she's got more coming next week. It's very difficult to get, and she's been working real Sorry. hard to get more for you guys supplies-wise. So there's going to be more on the way. They think with Kleenex tissue, paper, right, um, to help you guys out. Um, and if you run into a situation, you run out, you have to expense it as a store manager. Just go by yourself. On, you yeah. certainly can do that, right? Um, so we've heard this. This is the allegation that they lied in this press release saying that they're going to provide all their stores for cleaning supplies, hand sanitizers, and whatnot. They never had any intention of doing it. 
Now they're saying on this call that we're going to try to get it to you next week. So what about this week? What about the associates that's in the stores right now? This week? Currently? What? So I guess the virus just doesn't exist this week? Does it take weekends off? This is the same environment I was talking about where the stores are telling us in many cases that they're not going to let us wear anything, even if we brought in our own. Like, this is the corporate level of thinking. And he's absolutely right. What about the week where you're not giving us anything? And because of all the nutcases who went and bought up all the sanitizer, in many cases, it was hard to get. Okay. But once again, rewind your mind. At this point, we think that this thing is going to kill a lot of people. And they don't even care. I know these guys have taken weekends off their whole career, you know, because they're corporate. But... I don't think they realize that the virus doesn't take weekends off. They might be a little confused. So they don't have any hand sanitizer or anything. And they're going to try to get some. Apparently, it's hard to get. Or you could just go buy it yourself. Oh, damn. They're sold out. Well, still got to go to work. So let me throw it open now to you guys. Um, questions, things you'd like me to address, things you'd like to uh, bring up, please go ahead. Okay, so this guy basically gave his speech about you know, what's going on, what the climate is like. Now, this is when the associates start asking questions directly to him on this conference call. Are you ready for this? <laughs> good, good. Uh, just a quick question. Um, is there precautions in place in case one of the team members does contract this? And then what do we do with the rest of the staff in the store? This guy's question is what happens if somebody in the store contracts this, you know, virus? What happens? What are they going to do? Let's see their response. There's different aspects to this. There's different ways that we're dealing with it. If we did have a situation in store where we had somebody that tested positive, of course, we would take that very seriously. Of course. Um, we do have protocols in place to ensure that, first of all, if that did happen, we would shut the store down. We would bring a cleaning crew in to ensure that the entire store was sanitized, certainly. Um, and then we would look to next steps. Um, but... Um, but we do have protocols in place and we have discussed different scenarios and um, what would be our um, course of action to deal with it. Thanks, Ty. That was a good question. Okay. So apparently they're going to bring in a cleaning crew, which is just more associates to sanitize the store with cleaning supplies that they don't actually have. And then they're just going to continue working. The associates that's already been in contact with this person. So if somebody gets sick, They'll just be sent home. The store is cleaned, and then they just continue working. I read it on the Reddit recently. Somebody contracted it on the Reddit, and they just sent them home and just kept working. The ASM was sent home, and the other people just kept working after they'd already been in contact with them, which leaves their customers and their associates completely vulnerable to this virus, completely. Again, they don't care at all. They're going to make them keep going. So let's continue. Hey, um, kind of a loaded question, but it's piggybacking off the last one here. And I think this is going to be a question. Real quick point. That's actually how I got COVID was because my roommate was working at these places. All of the precautions supposedly taking place are all bullshit. And I was doing what you're supposed to do. Well, largely because I have no choice because I can't get out of bed for long periods of time. And I still got it. And they, they followed all the precautions you're supposed to follow, and you still get it. So again, remember, if this thing was really as dangerous as we thought it was going to be, a whole shitload of people were going to die, and these companies 
did not care. Right. Everybody wants to ask, but nobody is. But especially in my location here, about half of my store at Westminster Mall, all the mall, about half of the mall is closed with the narrowing of the hours, knowing that we've got a lot of forced isolation coming onto a lot of the people around here. We actually have a massive increase in traffic in our store. Already today, we've had well over 50 to 75 transactions, which is way more than normal Tuesday. We have an increase in density in our store, whether it's See, and this is the revelation about why we're having this conversation about how you got to stay open and no, we don't care if it's dangerous, is because they suddenly had a big surge of sales and they knew it. In the store, outside of the store, it doesn't matter. One of my associates is subject to being around those people. And when we see things like they have the choice to not come into work, if they feel like they're in that position, we're seeing all these other companies offering compensation for taking this time off. I feel like we're putting our guys in a position where they have to choose between their livelihood and their personal health. I'm wondering if we've had those conversations at a high level about taking care of the people who work before us. Oh, <laughs> All right. So this is what's happening here. He's asking if people choose not to work or they're too scared to come in or they're sent home. Do they get compensation for it? They just ask one of the executives, which is the lady we keep hearing. She's one of the executives along with the guy. Um, are they going to get paid for it? What do you think they're about to say? What do you think? <laughs> Let's hear it. We have had those conversations. Again, I think each situation is unique. We're trying to provide information. However, it's not a perfect world, and I don't have an answer that, yes, blanketly, we would be able to pay wages for everybody who chose not to work. Oh! Did you hear her wording? It's not a perfect world. We can't pay everyone's wages if people choose not to work they choose not to work think about that they choose not to work her wording right there now one of the things i want to add to this because it was relevant at the time the first piece of covid relief that was passed that in any way or was even being discussed that in any way affected normal people was when they were going to do this thing of like uh paid sick leave for two weeks uh, for any company that had under 500 employees. That was the little, the fine print that they put in that Pelosi, of course, didn't share with everybody, which was on companies under 500 employees. So small businesses would have to pay their employees two weeks paid sick leave, but big companies would not. And the companies that I work for also all said the same thing. Oh, well, 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 we don't have enough employees or, you know, we actually have too many employees for that. So they all scrambled to figure out ways to be sure that they could declare that they had more than 500 employees. Now, again, I don't necessarily think that companies should have to pay people that are not working. I think that the solution to that situation is, you know, some the government's unfortunately going to have to step in and help people. It's not an ideal situation. It's certainly not the circumstances in which capitalism is designed to work under. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that, once again, they're kind of pressuring people that they need to stay. They're not protecting them. They're not giving them any protection. And at this point, all the people on this corporate phone call fully believe that they're about to kill a bunch of their employees. Let's continue. They're choosing not to work. No, they're choosing their freaking life. That's what they're doing. They're choosing their loved one's life, the elderly, their grandparents' life, because they're more susceptible to this thing. And they're, you're saying, oh, they're not choosing to work. Sorry, it's not a perfect world. We can't pay all their wages. That is absolutely 
disgusting. It is disgusting. It is not a perfect world. We can't pay everyone's wages if they choose not to work. Wow, if they're choosing, you're choosing not to be here. Sorry, you're choosing it. Well, I have to pay my bills. So it's either I come in and risk my health and the health of my loved ones, or I can't pay my freaking rent. Seems like you're creating the environment for me to have to choose, right? Let's continue. Well, it's an ongoing discussion, however, and I understand the concerns. Believe me, I'm concerned too, as is Tim and um, sure Paul and, and all, all the leaders are. Um, we understand the angst. We understand the concern. Um, and we have spent all day uh, having these discussions with the store managers. So we, we, we hear you loud and clear. Tim, Chad is Um, Is there, just to like put it kind of bluntly here, is there a point in which we're just going to put people over profits and just close the stores? Like, is this something you're discussing actively? Um, no, you're going to get fired, dude. What are you doing? Um, every, there, was post, there, was, there was a post on, sorry, one, just one more thing. Sure. The company put up a post on Facebook today saying, don't worry, we're still open. And I don't know if you've read the comments, but there's like 150 comments of people just saying, you're terrible, close your stores. Um, I'm not saying that's what everybody thinks, but yeah. it, it looks like a bad look. Um, and, yeah. And, and then along that timeline, we just sort of have to go like, you know what? We just need to shut it down for a couple of weeks and be proactive wow. about this instead of waiting until all of our associates start getting sick. Wow. <laughs> there is no way in hell they were going to shut down those stores unless they were made to do it. They were raking in huge profits at retail stores that before were struggling to stay stay open. He's going to comment on the, some of this too. He's saying, okay, I'm going to reiterate his question if you didn't hear it. When are we going to start putting people over profits? This is a very bad look for GameStop. It looks absolutely terrible. Everybody's pissed as hell. It seems as though GameStop is totally just worried about one thing. And that's the almighty dollar. And that's it. Your loved ones, they can die as far as they're concerned. But this guy's asking, when are we just going to close it down? When are we just going to close it down? But are we going to just wait until our employees get sick? Let's see what this guy, the executive at GameStop, responds with. Well, it's, and, and, you know, um, it's, it's a daily conversation. And Janine and I were just on a call uh, about it with the rest of the yeah. executive. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's, it's it's day by day, you know, and it, in some cases, like, it, you know, the government saying, oh, keep everything open. That's fine. Right. Some retailers make their own decision for their own reasons. Some are closing and not paying their associates. Some are forcing them to use vacation and I mean, all that. But for, for it, sure. It, it, it's it, definitely it, difficult. I just want to know that it's yeah. something that we're, we're thinking about. Uh, right? so. and it, it's day by day. Absolutely. Day by day. And I mean, you know, you know, we're always going to be transparent with you guys. We're all. We're, we're always going to tell you things on the up and up. And, and I'm telling you right now, it's a daily conversation, daily meeting, daily, daily session. And, you know, so every day we're going to do our calculus to determine how many of our employees we want to kill and how many like other people we want to die for the sake of GameStop's profits. Again, why do people not want to work for these companies? Why would you not want to work for them? You know, people just don't want to work. They're just lazy. No, they just don't want to work for you. They don't want to work for you because of shit like this. Like, I mean, holy shit. Can you imagine 
if this thing was as dangerous as, say, the Spanish flu that would kill some people in under 48 hours, these companies would still be trucking, man. <laughs> it's that simple. Oh, it isn't just one part of the country. We've got to look at, you know, the whole thing, too, without a doubt. And, and absolutely, you know, um, it, it's a tough time. And you know what makes it so tough is none of us have been through it before, right? And we absolutely, and this is one of the reasons I want to have these calls with you guys. I couldn't send out an email and just said, okay, here we go, right? But I needed to hear from you guys. And this feedback is all good, but in, in terms of closing and, and the hours and that, it's a daily discussion. Absolutely. So his answer was a bunch of corporate nonsense. He just said, we're taking it day by day. It's day by day. He didn't answer anything. He didn't answer a single thing. He's like, hey, what are we going to do? Or are we just going to wait till our employees get sick? And he's like, well... We're taking it day by day. So, yeah, we're taking it day by day. That was his whole answer. We're taking it day by day. He said that like eight times, day by day. Apparently, that's the answer. <laughs> day by day. <laughs> Copy and paste. Let's continue. Uh, hi, this is Robin from 1767. I just have a quick question because I know we're still taking trades in right now. So I'm not going to like play this guy's whole video, obviously, and I'm going to give you the link. And I do like his content, you, especially if you're interested in gaming stuff. Um, but this one in particular, I, I, this is like the last one I want to play because this discusses uh, the issue about what goes on because these GameStops take trades, right? You know, they take people's old stuff to trade for new stuff. And so how are they going to handle that? Because if you're in a pandemic, that's dangerous, right? Well, let's watch how that goes. Um, would it be okay, just because sometimes we'll bring in, like, controllers and, you know, they're not the cleanest. Is it okay for us to refuse to take those ones right now? Or, like, are we just going to have to take everything in? Uh-oh. The trade question. You guys knew this was coming. Can we not take trades, please? Because these trades are definitely going to be riddled. Okay? They're going to have, they're going to be contaminated. Okay? You're going to have somebody that's going to be hard up for cash because... They don't, you know, their job may have laid them off or something because of this. And they're coming in with a controller that is covered with this whole deal, this whole epidemic. It's covered all over the damn controller's just dripping with it. And that associate's going to have to take it. So what do you think happens then? Well, a smart company will be like, we're going to hold off for just a little while to keep our employees and our customers safe. Well, you remember my corporate contact and what they said about it. So what do you think his response is going to be? The question is, can we please not take trades, please? Let's listen. Yeah, that's another thing we've been d discussing, and, and I, I've been asked this question about that, and also, you know, are we still going to take cash? Because apparently, the you know the World Health Organization came out, but no government has really backed that up, and, and they did say a few weeks back, you know, um, um, you shouldn't take cash; you could spread it, right? And and the government hasn't really commented on that in terms of the trades we're still going to take them in without a doubt oh. um knowing that you know uh like any other thing you could handle anywhere you know but at this point we are still taking trades in you know like anything else you handle you want to be, be careful with it but if it, oh, yeah, it's sure. hard, like some people yeah. are like i'm not going to share a code some people are really gross and and some of the things they bring in are, are not exactly clean at all like is it okay for us to refuse those select pieces Dude, she's well, panicking. If something is not in a resellable condition like any other trade, you've always had the right to refuse it. That's not the question. Right? If you can't truly resell that product, that's always been our policy. With trade. That's not the right? question. That's what you want to take a look at it. So that was the case, and something was just 
not acceptable, yeah, you certainly can. And, and obviously, we want to handle that in a professional way and say, look, I'm not able to resell that. I can't accept it. So they will absolutely continue to take trades regardless of who brings it in and the situation. Somebody could come in completely, completely infected with this thing. Instead of self-isolating like they should be, you know, not everybody's going to choose to just do that. They're going to go out and do things because they don't give a damn, you know, whatever. They're going to go in these stores and trade something in. And this poor person behind the counter is completely vulnerable to it. Their family's vulnerable to it. Everyone is vulnerable to it now. Does GameStop care? No, they're not going to halt their trade policy at all. They will take absolutely everything. And his defense is, well, you can catch it anywhere. And the government hasn't said that you can catch it off a controller. So we're going to keep taking them. Is the government really going to come out and be like, hey, uh, GameStop, you probably shouldn't take trades? No, they're not. They're not going to say that. They're right. going to be like, hey, go damn home. They've already said that. They've already said close your stores. They've already said go home. They've already said freaking self-isolate. And they're not doing any of that. So why the hell would they listen to the government if they told them not to take trades? They're not going to. Profit over people right there from the executive's mouth. Let's continue. Dustin from 2230. Just a quick question. Sure. We tried to reach out to customer service today for a customer inquiry, but they had said that there was uh, the department was closed and to reach out through email. No, the department is not closed. I can answer that. They're not taking calls right now. The majority of the communication that they get is via email. Oh, so the customer service, the corporate office, is uh, they're they're definitely still working, she said, but they're only taking emails. So again, you guys can check out his channel. I'm going to go ahead and link this again in all of my chats, and I'll throw it in the description afterwards. But um, they got to some of the most poignant parts of why I wanted to play that. Um, as far as like this, um, well, Tiki Media, what they said was, well, I mean, if it's not resellable, um, but that's not, that's why he said, that's not the question. The question was, can we not take anything that's really dirty? Because they're going to be the ones who are going to have to clean it up. Um, you, there's stuff that could be cleaned up and be sellable. That That's the issue. Um, and it, once again, rewind your mind. This is back when we think this thing is going to kill a bunch of people. It's on surfaces. It's on, you know, it's in the air. And they just didn't, they're like, well, no, we're not going to not take that. And of course, he led off with not even about like answering her question. He led off with like, well, you know, they talked about not taking cash too, but the government hasn't said anything. So, you know, we're going to go ahead and keep taking cash, you know, and it's hilarious. It's like, that's the reason why a lot of us wanted to wear gloves when we're running these cash registers. Money is like one of the most dirty things you can ever handle, you know, and they, you know, of course they're going to keep taking cash, you know, so I guess I'm going to interact a little bit with you guys um, and then we'll be done for the day. But I, I hope this helped you understand the perspective of these people who don't want to go back to these jobs. Um, and I also, this kind of plays into one of the themes that I've had for a while is that both the right and the left need to recognize that the corporations that run this show, they're not your friends. They're not your friends if you're middle class. They're not your friends if you're lower class. They're not period. They, they are actually the collective enemy of everybody who lives in this country. Whether you're a conservative capitalist or, you know, a progressive leftist, whatever, these corporations do not have your best interest in mind. And there was a moment when I was at Occupy, 
where <coughs> um, the Tea Party was making overtures to doing some collective actions with Occupy, where um, they would, you know, march together against the banks, for example. Ron Paul actually called for that, and it started to happen, you know. Um, and so that's that's basically it. Am I on Rumble? Yes, I am, in fact, on Rumble. I'm also on Twitch. I'm also on Odyssey. Um, I'm actually broadcasting to Twitch right now. The reason I don't broadcast directly to Rumble and directly to Odyssey is that currently both of those uh, platforms are literally just uploading everything immediately to those channels. So if I tried to go live there at the same time I'm going live here, all that happens is that then there's two copies of everything. Um, it's not as big of a deal on Odyssey. I could just delete the second copy, but the but the problem with Rumble is you can't delete your videos there um, if you have that agreement with them, which is kind of weird. But I actually did a video specifically discussing this issue, and I'll probably play it for you guys because I know I got a lot of new people. And one of the things I try to do is to pick some of my older content and share it with the people on Twitch. Um, but it's only partially related to this. So first I wanted to cap off this issue, which is just to say, why is it that people now have come to the point that they just don't want to work for these companies anymore? And the reality is that they remember this, you know, it's the same thing with like after the recession, you know, these people were hurting during the Trump era because the economy improved and people went and got better jobs. And I would try to talk to people because they were started offering more money and they're like, I'm not going back there. And it's because of the way they don't want to be treated anymore by some of these managers, you know. Um, and once again, it's a it's a shit waterfall. So where do those managers get it? Well, they get it from their, you know, corporate supervisor people who in most cases are the most fucking useless people in the company. They're the actual sink on the money. They're the, they're the sink on the company's bottom line. But because of the fact that they're the direct liaisons with the ones sitting in the boardrooms, um, uh, you, they, you know, that the big corporate types don't usually see that. And they're the ones who say, well, no, we don't need to raise wages, you know? So in any case, that's the real reason why guys, I hope that that gave you some information as far as to understanding the reason why, you know, like I'll give you a perfect example. Um, you know, there's this really sweet girl that I know that got talked into being a manager at one of these places. And I told her, as I mentioned earlier in the stream, this is going to rot your soul. This is not good for you. I would not have done this. And lo and behold, this is a girl who's always smiling, beautiful, energetic. And she was a manager for a few months. And I just watched as her whole way of carrying herself changed, her whole, like, everything about her changed. And so during the pandemic, when everybody got a little bit of an injection of money, long enough for them to think about maybe I should do something else, she went and got herself a job working for U of M, you know, in the medical field you know, got trained and now she's gone, not because she's not, doesn't want to work, but once again, it's not that they don't want to work. They just don't want to work for you. <laughs> and that's what she did. And she is, she's getting paid more, totally stress-free environment. She gets to sit down while she's, you know, helping customers and stuff. And that's really where it's at. You know, um, yeah, I don't know what's going on with me on Rumble, Ian, um, because I don't really get a lot of views there unless I manually share everything myself. I don't understand how that system works. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I'm also on Odyssey, also on BitChute. I don't think I'm shadow banned on Rumble. I don't, I just, I think I may be doing something wrong with the settings. 
Um, but it's one of the reasons why a lot of people are hesitant to move over there for all of the crap, you know, um, that people give YouTube. Unfortunately, it's still the best so far as getting random traffic. People don't really just sit on Rumble and, you know, scroll through it like they do the other ones. Nobody does for Odyssey, but Odyssey, in my opinion, is probably the best of all of them. BitChute is okay if you want to upload something. You can't stream to it, and but frequently, even when you want to upload something, it'll give you an error, and they haven't been able to fix it. That's why my BitChute channel doesn't have everything on it. You also can't upload really big things. Um, the Okay, so Rapunzel, the live chat on Rumble is actually called Rumble Rants, and if there's somebody who's going live, then in the upper right-hand corner, the, it's not where you would normally see it, but like there's a small little box and that's where you would go. The other thing that's good about Rumble is that if you did want to do the equivalent of Super Chats, you can literally just pay them right there and there's no crazy monetization system. So um, I will take a quick moment before I play this other video. You know, if you guys want to check out my website, that's actually where you can find all of this. Um, you can get there by vradio-us. Um, if there's any problems with that connection, I can I usually link the direct link but it's basically to a a thing that's kind of like linktree and the reason i say that is because linktree actually banned my account didn't even say why it took me two weeks to find out why and all they would say was that something on one of your links violated our terms of service and because you know and we don't reveal what that was to avoid abuse and i'm like what the fuck <laughs> it's like so you're going to take down my link tree, which might, which I might add, I had to pay for, right? They took down my link tree, would not tell me why they did it, supposedly to avoid abuse. But on my regular now, it's like, I guess, called hy.page. Funny thing is, this does everything Linktree did for free, which is why now I wish I had found it ahead of time. But um, here you can find all of my channels, YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, BitChute. Uh, my podcast platforms, I'm actually on a crazy amount of podcast platforms. And whenever there's something that makes a good transition, I'll, I'll put it over there as well. I just, I moved to video mostly because of the fact that I can do more. I can tell more stories, um, but I still will be doing podcasts. And, you know, so if you want to subscribe to me on like, say, Spotify, um, th that's all there. And Spotify, actually, I'm one of the beta testers for the Spotify video program. So most of my videos are over there too. And then this is my Fans of V Radio Facebook page, which is one of the best ways to be sure you get all my shit. And the other thing about the Fans of V Radio Facebook page is that um, I actually put the links for things that I am currently researching there kind of to store them. So it kind of gives you a behind the scenes. And, you know, I don't always use everything I link there, but it's the other thing I want to warn you about, though, is if you're on there, I might link something that I'm researching there. It doesn't necessarily mean I agree with it. It just means I'm looking it up. So if you guys want to financially support me, you can do so on Patreon, PayPal, I'm not pushing subscribe star very hard right now because you have to have a certain chunk of money before it'll even let you take it out. Um, so, but PayPal and Patreon are right there. If you guys really, 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 really need me to do a different one, I will. But as far as like my social media, the reason why my social media is important is because frequently people are either getting unsubscribed from my channels um, or the notifications, even when they ring the bell, are not telling them when I'm going live or uploading new content. So you can, there's, I got Telegram, I got Discord, and I got Getter. And I do have a Twitter, which I forgot to put on here, but I'm shadow banned on Twitter. So you're not always going to get all my Twitter notifications either. But um, in any case, just moving right along. So I had a, a video that I did specifically about 
why um, uh, the, the video was specifically about the right and the left and how they needed to understand who was going to be a, uh, uh, who was really their, their collective enemy, you know? Um, and let me, first of all, before I get into that, let me make sure I'm not ignoring anybody in the chat. So I'm just going to scroll up here a little bit. Can't find you through channels. Yeah. If you use the links on this website, you'll be able to find everything. And I would agree with this. They want to make 5,000 times the average employee. And that's not just the CEOs. Those middle manager types I was talking about earlier, they also make those decisions. They, they don't want us to get a pay raise on the bottom because they know that that would, that would be a, make it harder for them to get bonuses. You know, And these people get bonuses based on the performance that they have nothing to do with. So YouTube and Twitch... Okay, use ME6 bot. I'll look into that. That'd be nice. Apparently, I got an email list. I don't know how to access that yet, but if you want to add to the email list, that's on here too. So, in any case, I'm going to play one more video. Uh, this one's one of mine, and this is about how we got into this situation. And in this video, it's actually also gonna talk about Yuri Bezmenov, the Soviet defector um, who came over to warn us about what the KGB was up to in the United States. Now, the reason this is relevant to some of what we're talking about is it also talks about the financial situation and how we got into that, particularly the recession. Um, do I remember a spicy libertarian at Occupy? Uh, they would frequently ask me to talk to libertarians for them because I went through a period of my life where I was part of the libertarian party. Um, so more than one, really. <laughs> can you, um, can you leave the link to the links in chat or comments? Uh, yeah, I can. Um, or you can just type in v-radio.us, but I'll just go ahead and throw it in comments right now. Um, and I'll put it down below afterwards, but. It's usually also, you can usually find this in the description of every one of my videos, but that's how you can um, find all of my different channels. And I have a Facebook group on there that I'm really active on and a Facebook account you can add me on if you ever want to. So I add people to it and I'm very interactive with my audience. It's kind of one of my staples of my brand. So, all right. So this video, as I was saying, is... Um, specifically analyzing how the, this is a warning from Geary, the Soviet defector who was warning the United States, you know, that, Hey, you're going to have this problem, you know, and he was doing it. Like he, I guess he defected in the seventies. I think this conversation actually took place in the eighties and he um, was just telling everybody like, look, you know, this is going to be a problem. The Soviets are coming over here to engage in demoralization and destabilization of your your economy and if you don't do or and you're just your your society and if you don't pay attention to it it's going to be a real problem for you you know and they you know people didn't really listen and what's crazy about watching anything with yuri in it is that just about everything he said was going to happen has happened like nostradamus i mean he predicted a lot you know it's not all perfect but you know, as far as like infiltration of the the educational system, you know, to convince everybody to be communists and all that, 
he talked about that. But the reason I made this video is that in those same lectures, there's one comment in particular that I think that right-wing, middle-class, upper-middle-class people in particular should really hear because it points out to them that, you know, one of the, re you know, the culprits of this situation, the reasons why this is possible is because of the interactions of another class of people, and it's not the poor. So thank you guys for tuning in today, and I'm going to go ahead and play this. Um, this is largely for... Hello, everyone. A lot of you guys have had a chance to watch this, um, but it's one of my older videos. But for those of you who are conservatives in my audience, this is addressed to you, but I think left-wing people who, who watch my stuff could also get benefit out of it. I'm trying to like just slowly find ways to throw like one of these videos um, on occasion for my people on Twitch to check out. So here's here's this one. Are you a right-leaning or conservative? Here's a warning from the Soviet era. Because this is the other message that Yuri Bezmenov was giving us that a lot of people, unfortunately, are ignoring. Hello, everyone. This particular episode is directed particularly at the right-leaning conservative element of my audience. However, the left-leaning part of my audience will also find it useful. I want to talk specifically about the efforts of communists to undermine and demoralize the United States, and the part of this story that is not spoken enough about. A lot of effort is justifiably being made to call out the efforts in academia to radicalize people into far-left communist beliefs. However, this is only part of the equation. First, let me share with you a clip of Yuri Bezmenov, the Soviet defector who came to the United States to warn us of communist efforts to undermine our nation's sense of identity, demoralize and destabilize our society as part of an effort to eventually destroy the United States using methods the Soviets had used in other countries. This clip is part of a much larger presentation that I will be going into more depth about later. However, conservatives in particular need to consider the presence of bad actors within the United States who are unwittingly helping this process of demoralization. Let's take a look. If we are talking about capitalists or, or, or wealthy businessmen, they, I think they are selling the rope on which they will hang very soon. If they don't stop, if they cannot curb the unsettled desire for profit. And if they keep on trading with the monster of the Soviet communism, they are going to hang very soon. And it, they will pray to be killed, but unfortunately they will be sent to Alaska probably to manage industry of slaves. It's, it's simplistic. I know it sounds unpleasant. I know Americans don't like to listen to things which are unpleasant, but I have defected not to tell you the stories about such idiocy as as microfilm James Bond type espionage. This is garbage. Uh, you don't need any espionage anymore. I have come to talk about survival. It's a question of survival of this system. So let's consider for a moment what he is talking about. Conservatives are correct to heed Yuri's warnings about communist efforts to undermine our system. But the group that Yuri is calling out here plays a major role in the plans of the communists. Note, obviously at this point, we would swap out Soviet Russia for communist China so far as who is the likely culprit when it comes to manipulating the situation. But now we are going to talk about the role that the super wealthy play in this situation. As Yuri pointed out, the wealthy are selling the rope they will be hung with. Our economy has largely been sold to communist China. They continue to grow stronger while we grow weaker. One of the things the early part of the pandemic showed us was our dependence on China for much of our manufacturing. 
But what Yuri specifically is talking about is the obsession with profits from the top 1%, the same group that the Occupy Wall Street movement was trying to draw attention to. Now, a lot of efforts are put into telling conservatives to blame these people, or maybe these people, with our current economic situation. Basically, a lot of emphasis is placed on addressing the entitlements in our system and that how apparently the real leeches on our economy are the super poor. But you will notice that very little, if any, attention is given to these people and their role specifically in undermining our economic situation and creating a situation where capitalism doesn't work for everybody. And this is just one aspect of it. I'm going to get into more of it later. But Walmart specifically did a lot to destroy the middle class. And we look at the cheap stuff that we're buying and we think to ourselves, you know, this is great. This is capitalism working. Our prices are going down. But in order to get those prices, they created a situation where we've shut down our manufacturing and we're outsourcing it to places where people basically live not much better than plantation slaves in many cases to make our goods, something that people in the United States are not willing to do for obvious reasons that people who are in those countries can be forced to do through poverty. So this chart shows the US jobs displaced by the growing goods trade deficit with China since 2001 in thousands of jobs. Where does this trade deficit come from? Well, basically, we have closed down our manufacturing and we've moved it to China and places like China and the jobs go with them. And this creates lower prices in places like Walmart, but it also destroys the local middle class because they can't find good paying jobs anymore. And if they own their own businesses, their businesses are undermined. Now, whose fault is this? This obviously isn't something that the welfare people are putting together. This is something that the corporate welfare people are putting together. The top 1% play a huge role in this situation that is often ignored. Now, some efforts are, you know, pushed by the conservative media to get you to blame these people. And these are the people who work in the sweatshops overseas, the places where our jobs went. Uh, many of them live in circumstances that are not really that different than the plantation slaves that we used to have in the United States. But again, you know, nobody's talking about who sent the jobs over there you know, in their role in the situation. Now, organized labor in the United States did an awful lot to prevent circ circumstances like this from existing within the United States. And that used to be enough. But now, due to advents in shipping technology, you can make your entire workforce in manufacturing look much like this and put, you know, take them out of situations where they live like this. The super wealthy uh, want situations where they have their boot on your throat. Because that puts them with, you know, in a circumstance of maximized profits, maximized power over you, the worker. Now, this chart shows where the jobs are going. U.S.-based multinational companies added jobs overseas during the 2000s and cut them at home. Cumulative change since 1999. As you can see, the up is all on the side of jobs outside the U.S. The down is on the side of jobs you know, in the U.S., and this trend just continued. It was facilitated by changes in our economic structure in the United States and in our laws that were put together in a bipartisan fashion 
More on that later. Here's another graph that shows the effects of outsourcing on our economy. As you can see, it hurts American workers a hell of a lot more than it helps them in most of the categories presented. Now, another culprit that is frequently brought up when it comes to the issues of our economy and people leeching off of it, and specifically about why we may have difficulty finding a job in circumstances of economic difficulty, would be the illegal immigrants, or the undocumented workers, as the left has been manipulated to call them. Um, and a lot of effort is put on to suggesting the solutions to this would just basically just make it harder for illegal immigrants to get into the country, put up a wall, et cetera, et cetera. But have you ever noticed that the root cause of this situation never receives any kind of attention on the part of the right-wing media? And who are they? Why is it that nobody ever talks about the employers of illegal immigrants? Why is no attention ever given to their role in the situation? You know, why are there never any, you know, Fox News pundits or whatever calling for this problem to be addressed? And I think the answer to the question has to do with the fact that your media, you know, both right and left, is owned by corporations and that they're more interested in getting the middle class to blame the poor, whether it's immigrants, you know, or welfare moms for all of their problems. And that's the reason why, as you can see, criminal prosecutions against employers are rare. The overall data shows that criminal prosecutions of employers who knowingly hire undocumented workers are rare, and most that are convicted receive little more than token punishment. So why is this? Why isn't this aspect of it ever addressed? Why are we just talking about building walls and, you know, increasing border control, which I'm not saying you know, could not be a solution if this is what you think is the problem with the economy. But wouldn't it be easier to simply prosecute the people that are doing it over here? It would be easier, but it wouldn't be convenient for the people who actually own your government. And that would be those top 1% types I was talking about earlier. Consider for a moment the game here that they are playing. Again, you are being told as the middle-class conservatives that all of your problems would go away if we just dealt with anybody other than the 1% who created those problems. Now, if you have been conditioned into traditional thinking so far as politics, you will find yourself trying to rationalize a way as to how the situation was obviously created by the other tribe. The truth is, this situation was orchestrated with efforts from both of the major political parties, and this truth exposes a reality that people often don't consider. That truth is that there really is only one party. The party that Yuri was mentioning is playing a major role in helping the communists undermine our economy and our way of life. The super wealthy. It was both Reaganomics and NAFTA that brought us to the situation that we are currently in, that is making capitalism only work for some people in this country. Now, honest capitalists will admit that this is an issue. Free market capitalists will say that this is a perfect reason to simply remove government intervention, as the system that is supposed to protect us from white-collar crime is clearly corrupt. This, to me, comes off as basically the conservative version of abolish the police. Basically, it is naive to assume that because some cops are corrupt that we don't need cops. It is equally naive to assume that because some government regulators are corrupt, we should do away with government agencies that seek to protect the people and simply rely on the goodwill of wealthy people to not behave immorally. 
So let's take a moment to reflect on the history of the situation and how both sides contributed to the circumstances that we are in right now. Reaganomics, a historical watershed. The socioeconomic impact of Reaganomics and its long-run deleterious legacy is documented. The preponderance of data indicate that economic growth was not particularly impressive in the wake of the tax cuts of 1981 or 1986. GDP did snap back to potential, but failed to accelerate beyond the rates achieved in prior or subsequent decades. The supposed incentives of supply-side economics failed to materialize. People did not work more, they did not save or invest more than they did before, and the benefits trickled down like molasses and got stuck at the very top of the income distribution. Instead, Reagan's presidency was a watershed in the U.S. economic development in the sense that it reversed many of the accomplishments of the New Deal and inaugurated, inaugurated an era in which low-skilled men's wages began a long period of decline and labor's share of GDP continued to fall. Reagan's true legacy is a dual economy that accompanied the hollowing out of the middle class, a more business-friendly regulatory and oversight framework for Wall Street that ultimately led to the financial crisis a stupendous increase in the national debt from 30% to 50% of the GDP that put it on a path such that by 2012 it exceeded 100%. Anti-statism that contributed to the rise of Trumpism, a remarkable rise in inequality that gave rise to an oligarchy, and the benign neglect of blue-collar workers who eventually became Hillary Clinton's deplorables. Reagan put the economy on a trajectory to ultimately, even if not inevitably, led to the triumph of Trumpism and an economy of malaise. Now, to those of you who are my followers who obviously are Trumpers, don't take too much offense to what this person is pointing out. They are more or less pointing out that it was Reagan's contributions to our economic system that led to the situation that pissed you guys off that made you want to vote for Trump in the first place, because Donald Trump made a lot of promises about how he was going to fix our economy. Now, whether or not he did is a discussion for a different time. The point is, is that what created the circumstances that led to Donald Trump being appealing was a you know, basically a bipartisan effort. So they're pretty hard on Reagan here, but again, it wasn't just him. Bill Clinton signed NAFTA into law. So let's talk about that. The North American Free Trade Agreement was the door through which American workers were shoved into the neoliberal global labor market. By establishing the principle that US corporations could relocate production elsewhere and sell back into the United States, NAFTA undercut the bargaining power of American workers, which had driven the expansion of the middle class since the end of World War II. The result has been 20 years of stagnant wages and the upward redistribution of income, wealth, and political power. NAFTA affected U.S. workers in a four principal ways. First, it caused the loss of some 700,000 jobs as production moved to Mexico. Most of these losses came in California, Texas, and Michigan, and other states where manufacturing is concentrated. To be sure, there were some job gains along the border in service and retail sectors resulting from the increased trucking activity, but these gains are small in relation to the losses and are in lower paying occupations. The vast majority of workers who lost jobs from NAFTA suffered a permanent loss of income. Secondly, NAFTA strengthened the ability of U.S. employers to force workers to accept lower wages and benefits. As soon as NAFTA became law, corporate managers began telling their workers that their companies intended to move to Mexico unless the workers lowered the cost of their labor. In the midst of collective bargaining negotiations with unions, some companies would even start loading machinery into trucks that they said was bound for Mexico. The same threats were used to fight union organizing efforts. 
The message was, if you vote in a union, we will move south of the border. With NAFTA, corporations also could more easily blackmail local governments into giving them tax reductions and other subsidies. Third, the destructive effect of NAFTA on the Mexican agricultural and small business sectors dislocated several million Mexican workers and their families and was a major cause in the dramatic increase in undocumented workers flowing into the U.S. labor market. This put further downward pressure on U.S. wages, especially in the already lower-paying market for less skilled labor. Fourth, and ultimately most important, NAFTA was the template for rules of the emerging global economy, in which the benefits would flow to capital and the cost to labor. The U.S. governing class, in alliance with the financial elites of its trading partners, that would be the people Yuri was talking about, applied NAFTA's principles to the World Trade Organization, to the policies of the World Bank and IMF, and to the deal under which employers of China's huge supply of low-wage workers were allowed to access U.S. markets in exchange for allowing American multinational corporations the right to invest there. Here we have China. Once again, you know, the extremely wealthy, you know, purchasing the rope they will be hung with because they're selling our economy to China. Despite the rhetoric, the central goal of NAFTA was not expanding trade. After all, the U.S., Mexico, and Canada had been trading goods and services with each other for three centuries. NAFTA's central purpose was to free American corporations from U.S. laws protecting workers and the environment. Moreover, it paved the way for the rest of the neoliberal agenda in the U.S., the privatization of public services, the regulation of finance, and the destruction of the independent trade union movement. The inevitable result was to undercut workers' living standards all across North America. Wages and benefits have fallen behind worker productivity in all three countries. Moreover, despite declining wages in the United States, the gap between the typical American and the typical Mexican worker in manufacturing remains the same. Even after adjusting for differences in living costs, Mexican workers continue to make about 30% of the wages of workers in the United States. Thus, NAFTA is both symbol and substance of the global race to the bottom. So the end result of both NAFTA and Reaganomics working together is the situation that you see here. These circumstances, these economic circumstances, are the reason that both Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders were popular. They're also the reason why the system did everything they could to sabotage both of them. And also, as I pointed out in my previous video, because the left has their own problems with this, the reason why social justice matters are being pushed to the forefront um, as far as what should be your focus if you're an American citizen, instead of any attention being given to this situation. And in that video, which I guess I'll share in the cards at the end of this one, um, I pointed out that Hillary Clinton, for example, when addressing a crowd, specifically trying to turn them against Bernie Sanders, said, we could break up the big banks tomorrow, but what would that do to you know gay rights and how would that help black people and et cetera, et cetera. It was all a distraction you know, for the left. You know, and the right has just always been consistently distracted by, you know, being told that their real problem is the poor. So, you know, if you're, let's say, in the second column over here, maybe the 22 percent, you know, or even the, the third column, which is, you know, the 7 percent, you're being told that all of your economic woes are created by the column on the far left. When the truth is the column on the far right, which is the 0.7 percent are the reasons for all of these issues. They pushed for these economic policies. 
They are the ones that are destroying capitalism in the United States and making it unfunctional. So even if you're pro-capitalist, something has to be done about this. And you need to wake up to the fact that you are being manipulated to believe that your problem is the people on the left, figuratively you know, and directly. And there are people who are on the left who are a problem. I spent a hell of a lot of time on this channel pointing that out. There's no question. And again, I'm not trying to convert you. You can have whatever political ideology you want. But even if you're a capitalist, this is not sustainable. This situation is exactly what Yuri was warning about. If you become so obsessed with profits that you make the, game, the rules of capitalism so broken, people are going to want to play a different game. If you want a more modern example of this, you can just look at the fact that for some reason, those people on the far right of the column I just showed you are, you know, 283 billion richer during the coronavirus pandemic. And, you know, how exactly did that come about? Well, there was a lot of policies that were put in place to choke small businesses to death. And you can blame that on Democrats, I guess, but the truth is that's also a bipartisan effort. As I brought up in one of my previous videos, the response to the coronavirus came in two forms. On the left, they had this, uh, what was it, two weeks of paid sick leave that would only have to be paid by the employers with 500 or less employees. So that was the uh, small print part of it, but that was what the Democrat-controlled Congress at the time had put forth for coronavirus relief which of course was only going to hurt small businesses and did not in any way harm anybody in that column on the far right. It did not harm any of the people that Yuri was talking about, the people who are so concerned about profits to the point that they don't even care about the long-term consequences of what it is that they're doing. But on the other side of that, the Republican-controlled Senate, all they offered was some relief checks that were going to go out and were going to be tax reduced in such a way that by the time they were done, the people who needed the most were going to get the least amount of money. And the wealthy people weren't going to get very much either. It, that's you know, meaning wealthy is in middle class. So there was really a bipartisan effort to ignore the people in that situation and only to uphold again, you know, Yuri's little group of capitalists. They were the only ones who did any better during the course of the pandemic. And once again, we're being distracted. You know, we're being divided on this issue. We're not talking about the fact that the wealthy got 283 billion richer. We're talking about mask mandates or vaccine mandates. You know, we're talking about, well, you're getting all that unemployment or what, you know, that's what's the basically being held to blame on all of this. And that's all a distraction. So in conclusion, thank you for taking the time to listen to this presentation, particularly if you were on the right and conservative. My objective was not and is not to try and change your political affiliations. My objective is to point out that both the people who give a damn about other people on the left and the people who give a damn about other people on the right have a common enemy. And if you are really concerned about a communist invasion, then we have to address this enemy in their role in creating an environment that is vulnerable to the infiltration of communist ideology. Yuri was warning us that the super wealthy are selling the rope they will be hung with. We as Americans of both the left and the right need to take action to be sure that we are not swinging from the gallows with them.
Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. If you like my work, please consider supporting me on Patreon. I now only need 80 patrons total at $10. All right, guys, thanks for going on that journey with me. It was good to see that some of you guys were hadn't seen it yet, so it wasn't a waste of your time. Um, but the point that I was getting at there mostly is just that even if you're a capitalist, like even if you're even a libertarian, full-on capitalist, you know, something has to give. And it's important, I think, that people stop thinking of people like uh, Bezos or whatever as the end game, like that everybody can just go do that. You know, you can definitely do better. You can get a better job. You can start a business, you know, but, and, and people tried. That's the other thing is like when I was at Occupy and I was interviewing people, people tried that. The, the funny thing is when I was at Occupy Detroit in particular, okay, there was a lot of former blue collar conservatives that were part of Occupy Detroit. And the reason they became former blue collar conservatives was because they did everything that you're supposed to do to be the American capitalist. They got a good job working for a good company and then those companies outsourced everything. So that was the first problem. So then they went and tried to start businesses or get an education. And then they still ended up at Occupy Detroit because many of them were homeless. And they weren't like homeless, like in any way, like until they told me, you wouldn't even know because you know, they were still dressed well, you know, well kept and all that. They hadn't been stuck out there for a long time. You know, but it doesn't change the fact that they did everything that you're supposed to do. And that's what caused them to leave the right. Because at that point, they just felt lied to. And that's why I said that if you're really worried about a communist takeover, then you need to consider what Yuri said. Yuri Bezmanov gets quoted by current conservatives all the time, justifiably so. But he also pointed out that the wealthy will buy the rope that they'll be hung with or sell the rope that they'll be hung with. You know, if they can't get over the fact that, you know, if profits over people just gets out of control then any reasonable person at that point is going to start turning on you and is going to say, yeah, fuck this. I want to try something else. And that's when the authoritarian communists are going to show up after seeding the whole situation by brainwashing your kids in school, brainwashing your kids in college. You know, then they're going to show up and go, hey, I got the solution to all your problems. You know, when I had Lynn Wood on my show, um, he and I talked about this because, you know, we obviously he's very right conservative and I'm not. I discussed with that with him, and this was uh, when I had Linwood on, I want to make very clear, that was like back when he was Kyle Rittenhouse's lawyer, and he was considerably less out there than he is now. And I, I enjoyed the conversation. You guys can still find it on my channel. But, you know, I said that the missing cog in the machine of old school American capitalism is probably Christianity. And I'm not saying you need religion to fix this problem. But what happened in the the culture of the people who owned factories and stuff like that is that they stopped going to church and then they started reading Ayn Rand. And Ayn Rand literally refers to your workers as parasites, tells you that altruism is, uh, is immoral, meaning helping people is immoral, and selfishness is a virtue. They, you know, so like there was a time in this country when no like good businessman would ever do something like say, I worked for Myers once. And they laid off everybody that was under 90 days just in time for Christmas um, because they wanted to maximize profits. And they basically ruined Christmas for everybody that they did that to. They didn't even give a shit. There was a time in this country where good Christian businessmen would never do that because they, would, they, they had a belief that, no, that's immoral. You shouldn't do that. Well, if you're reading Ayn Rand, no, that's exactly what you should do, you know. Um, and Ayn Rand is also you know, very popular with a lot of the really popular politicians. You know, 
You know, that's the kind of shit that I'm talking about. They just they just pit, changed one religion for another. And the, the new religion says that it's totally okay to be like that. And to give you an indication of just how evil Ayn Rand's ideology is, um, Anton LaVey, the guy who wrote the uh, um, Satanic Bible, literally just openly admitted that his uh, version of Satanism was basically based on Ayn Rand's ideology. Um, you know, so that's why I'm saying, guys, is at the end of the day, there was a moment towards the end of when Occupy got super ultra woke where the people in the Tea Party, which was basically the right wing version of the Occupy Wall Street movement, were reaching out to us and ironically, once again, directed by Ron Paul to do so. And then all of that came crashing down when the woke bullshit showed up. And I have a, I have a video you guys can watch about that as well, where I literally take the media statistics to show you that there was a huge effort made specifically to try to distract everybody away from the income inequality issue, to distract everybody away from the bank bailout issue, and instead to get us, you know, talking about, you know, sexism and racism and transgenderism and, you know, all of that. They've also completely hijacked the idea that there's something wrong with the economy on the left, you know, and, and making it a class or, you know, a wealth disparity issue. And now it's all a racial issue. That's the way that they talk about this stuff now is, um, you know, basically uh, now it's all white supremacy. It's whiteness that brought us to this situation. That's what they say. And the reason why they want us to be doing that is because if we're focused solely on the issue of race, then we're not actually looking at the issues of the economy in any way that even makes any fucking sense. You know, and so <laughs> Alt-Universe, one of my libertarian followers says, I never thought The Fountainhead was a great piece of literature. I must have read that book over 20 times. I'm not seeing it. You know what's even scarier about that than her actual literature is the shit she did in her personal life. And if you look at one of I did a whole podcast specifically about Ayn Rand. And she was just obsessed with people that were... If, if you had no mechanism for recognizing the importance of anyone but yourself, then she thought that you were great. Um, apparently, for example, there was this uh, serial killer guy who murdered children. And at one point, he, of all things, like took a, 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 a rich man's daughter hostage and for ransom and because he wanted to pay for bible college like he was going to go become a priest and um so anyway uh this crazy guy literally chopped this girl's legs off and put her in the car to look like she was still alive showed up and picked up the money and then dumped her body down the street and ayn rand like literally wrote about him like she was a teenage girl talking about somebody in a boy band and one of the things she specifically said was he just does not have you know, any perception of the importance of anyone else. You know, he is solely about what is what is good for him is right. She even quoted him. So if that's the kind of personality you want taking over the, the ideas of morality, if you're super wealthy, you're looking for some real problems. You know, um, so let me go ahead and take a moment, interact with the chat. You know, obviously I don't have super chats here. So, because I'm never going to be monetized. So I'm going to take a looky here and see what people are saying. And thanks again for tuning in, everybody. It's been a fun day. Um, tonight, I got to go take my daughter to a sleep study, which means I'm going to have to actually stay there with her. Um, she's had a sleep disorder for quite some time, and it's been a real problem. So um, you may recall Trump wanted to go after employers, but both Democrats and establishment Republicans opposed it. 
I do recall that. Um, I also recall the stuff that he was doing with tariffs. And the funny thing is, is that free market capitalist types fucking freaked out about the tariffs. But the reality is, if if you're going to protect your economy, even the founding fathers of this country understood that you can't just bring in cheap goods and not expect to put local people out of business. You know, but again, that all it just you get, that's why I brought up in that video is just to kind of point out, like, how much does Fox News and the, the right wing media hammer with you guys, you know, all the time on your real problem is is welfare queens. Your real problem is illegal immigrants. Your real problem is, you know, the, the group of people who literally have almost no influence on what goes on, you know, and I totally also agree with this, man. Um, let me see here. We should be doing this. Like, that's one of the things that I, I remember was like when the pandemic happened, I was like, Jesus Christ, how much of this shit do we actually like, you know, um, not make here anymore? You know, like, do you know we don't even make blue jeans in the United States anymore? The thing that we're known for, the thing that like Russians like literally just lust after if they can get their hands on American blue jeans. We don't even take the, We don't even make them anymore. You know, um, and yes, shout out to Neo Unrealist. He was very kind to me. He's really fun to talk to. He's had me on my on his stream a few times and hoping to have him on mine, too. If you guys haven't checked out Neo Unrealist, you should so, you should so do that. You should also check out Good Logic. You should check out Johnny Walker Dread, Logical Checkmate, The Strategic Eye Show. I have a lot of these listed under my recommended channels, but you're definitely going to like them. So you know, Australia is the same. Australia is creeping me out right now, man. That is some crazy shit. What's going on in Australia? Um, and it's funny is that I, you know, I used to like that country a lot. You know, one of the other things is that sometimes I watch other countries' media to get an idea about what they're up to. And Australia is saber-rattling with China quite a bit right now. If you watch their 60-minute specials, they're really going after how China is, like, a real threat and a problem. And, um, you know, like, I'm like, what are they doing? It seems like they're trying to prepare the people of Australia for war with China. You know, um, oh, look at that. As someone who would have most likely labeled far right, your videos give me a new perspective and have caused me to change some of my views. Well, hey, man. By all means, um, share that with me. I love hearing that. And once again, I, I, what I want to do is it's not about, I, I didn't start this thing and I'm going to make a bunch of people in the leftist. That's not actually what I want. I want people to be Americans in the purest sense back before the parties. If you go back and look at George Washington's farewell address, he was telling everybody, dude, don't do this political party thing. This is not a good idea. Like a lot of the founding fathers fled England because fights between political parties were leading to riots in the streets. Sound familiar? Um, and they didn't want us to have political parties. And we do. And it's causing enormous problems. It's like a huge computer virus on the Constitution, just causing all kinds of shit, you know, um, that's screwing up the democratic process. Like somebody like me, I am absolutely pro-gun, totally pro-gun and armed. And I believe we need them. And I don't think they're just for hunting. And I don't just think, you know, and I don't think they're just for target shooting. I think we, you know, very really we're supposed to have them. You know, well, then, but I'm also kind of pro-healthcare, so where the fuck do I go? There isn't anywhere for somebody like me. You know, and that's why you end up with a guy like Bernie Sanders, who was also originally pretty pro-gun, but he has to run as a Democrat because he can't get ballot access if he doesn't, and that's all bullshit, you know? Um, so we got here, we got pro-gun, pro-abortion, pro-death penalty. Yeah, um, it's an interesting combination, but... um. 
you know, how is that supposed to work? You know, like those sort of, you can't supposedly can't do that, you know? And I think that this is one of the other reasons why I've said that it, my goal, it's not just my goal. I have a friend who runs the channel storm clouds gathering. And if you haven't checked out his work, you should, um, he brings up the fact that if, if society were to collapse, we would like to see things reworked into a federation where people could have their communities and run them any way they want. And then maybe people work together for things that are critical, like mutual defense. And you can set rules for who's in your federation. So let's say that your town wants to be capitalist and the town next door wants to be anarcho-primitivist. And, but you guys agree to protect each other if there's ever a battle. You know, that, that's how I think society works. And I also think it works a lot better in smaller communities than larger ones. And there's actual science for that. Well, this is actually, it's funny that you say that, TT, because that's relevant to what I was just point, bringing up. Um, it, local problems, it, it would be much better if everybody was directly, immediately involved with what goes on in their community. And that's another thing. When you go back to looking at how things were in the colonies before the Constitution, direct democracy was actually how they did things on a small scale. So direct democracy would be like if your colony, you know, is going to vote on whether or not to join the Revolutionary War, then you go to the town meeting and then you as a town talk about it and then you vote together, you know, to determine what the outcome is going to be. You're not dependent on some guy that was elected because he had better political ads or, you know, sold himself out. You were literally just voting on it yourself. Um, that's one of the things that was in the movie The Patriot. Uh, that I feel that they kind of got right that doesn't get talked about. I worked for Senator Mike Gravel, and he was a direct democracy advocate. He basically just kind of got to the point where he's like, Jesus, the only way I can fix anything is by cheating. Um, he uh, filibustered to end the draft, and he read the Pentagon papers into the public record to make it so that everybody would have access to them. And he got prosecuted for that. They tried to put him in jail for treason. Fortunately enough, his lawyers knew of a, an interesting loophole that you can't be prosecuted for anything you say while in session. So uh, he actually went into the, the Senate hall and had this like huge suitcase full of top secret documents that he was given by Daniel Ellsberg. And he was going to start reading them into the Senate hall as part of his filibuster for the draft. <laughs> and they immediately figured out what he was doing. And then they hammered their gavel and, and then they closed the Senate. And so he's like, well, shit, what am I going to do now? And so his lawyers are like, well, you could have a hearing because they can't prosecute you for anything you say during a hearing either. It's like, oh, okay. And then he saw a congressman there and he's like, um, hey, would you like to have a hearing? And he's like, yeah, you know, I'd like to have a, um, some, like a federal building in my community. And he was like, all right, fine, let's go have a hearing. And so then they start talking about this federal building that this congressman wants. And then he's like, you know, I'd really like to be able to get you that federal building. But the reason we can't afford it is because of all this money we're spending in Vietnam. And then he takes out the top secret documents and starts reading them into the public record. Yeah, Mike was fantastic. I miss him. You know, um, you like the idea of breaking into smaller nations? Well, and, and the thing of it is, is that ironically, the federation system that the, the Iroquois, I believe, used that was supposed to be a um, relevant inspiration for our constitution was already kind of meant to be that way. Um, that's what states rights was supposed to be all about was that your individual states could have laws and then there'd be some federal laws, you know, and that, and the reason I want this is not even that I have a necessarily a problem with like what you might say is federal overreach. 
But in a federation, you just determine what kind of, you know, what kind of communities do you want to be part of your federation? Like, let's say perhaps obviously you all agree on no child sex slave labor. You can't be in our federation if you're going to be like that. We just don't invite you to join our community. And no, we're not going to defend you if you get attacked because you have nothing, you know, we're not on board with that, you know. Um, so the reason that I bring that up is more to the point is that there are also there are people on the left who would prefer to govern themselves that way, too. That, you know, maybe our community has more welfare. Maybe your community doesn't. And then we can trade with each other. You know, maybe there's something your community needs. And maybe there's something that our community does, you know, you know, you know, could benefit from. And there's actually a commune called Twin Oaks. And I, I brought one of the guys who used to live there on my show. And it's been operating for 30 years. And they have that. They have a community where everybody's participating in the system. You know, and it is it is basically a socialist commune. But, like, they have rules. You know, and you're allowed to leave if you want to leave. And in fact, you have to. That was the thing about socialism that I think some of these kids are going to get a rude awakening for is that it's a lot of work. If you want it to work, then, you know, the crops don't plant themselves. You know, they I think some of these kids think socialism means they're going to be sitting around collecting checks. And that's just not how it works. And if you're going to live at, at Twin Oaks, you you have to find a way to you, you have to find a way basically that the community accepts as your contribution or you just can't stay there. So, you know, but. Yeah, I think uh, local economies would be a hell of a lot better. But one of the things that's, you know, that's also going on is we don't even know our neighbors. I think I know like one person in my entire apartment building. You know, I'm like, and I just occurred to me, it was like, man, if anything ever happened, like, what would our community do? Because it's every man for themselves. That's what we've been devolved down into. And the breakdown of the family, you know, the breakdown of the family is another excellent way that they kind of like turn us against each other and, and make it so that we're all only dependent on ourselves. What else are we dependent on? Well, our employers, we're dependent on going and joining a dictatorship that may or may not be tyrannical, as I mentioned earlier in this broadcast, uh, by showing videos of really shit, shit show managers in some of these places. You know, you basically have to go find a dictator to work for, and that's how you take care of yourself. Um, and if you can't find a way to be more like useful to a rich man than their money, then you just get to die. Um, that's the way the things are set up right now. And that we used to have families that we could fall back on, you know, when the British empire was conquering Ireland and Scotland, that's one of the things they did was they went after the clan system because those were families made up of hundreds of people. And if like, if somebody was wearing the same clan tartan as you and the British empire burned down their village and they showed up in your village, you'd be like, oh, well, we'll take you in. We, you know, we'll take care of you. You know, that was, that was your support group, you know, strategic. What is up? Yo, it's good to see him. Hey, guys, this is the dude I was talking about earlier. Strategic Eyes is an African-American police officer, or I guess uh, East Indian police officer. <laughs> He's a black police officer, and um, his uh, take on things is fantastic. If you have not checked out his channel, you absolutely should check out his channel. Um, you know, Strategic, you'll like this broadcast. I hope you check it out from the, the background because um, I went over why some of these low-wage workers don't want to work at these places anymore. And, um, you know, so I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. Make sure that you check out some of my videos from the past. Um, what I've noticed is the algorithm doesn't always like my stuff. So what ends up happening is that I might have shit that you guys might even like, and then you're not even aware I did it which is why I end up doing some of these streams sometimes when I pick up like one of these videos, like my Killmonger video. That Killmonger video was really, 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 really freaky. 
and a lot of you guys didn't even get to see it. Um, and I think that the reason why is because um, the algorithm probably didn't like it very much. But that was the video that I did specifically on the topic of like um, the fact that there are people out there right now in this world who are labeling Killmonger the guy who was, you know, well, just a terrorist who was going to was trying to start a race war on the global scale, you know, and murder a lot of people. They're calling him a hero. You know, it, it, even the guy who played the role is saying that shit, you know, and I think that maybe people thought it was just going to be a typical video, but about like, you know, um, Hollywood or whatever, but that really wasn't it. To give you an idea, like of some of the stuff that I've done that you may not have checked out yet, but like, um, let's take a look. Some of these, obviously there's a reason why, but you know, um, so yeah, Black Panther's Killmonger right here. Only 300 views. And that's like considerably less. But you guys should check out this video if you haven't. Because I exposed just how many people... People are going on talk shows to talk about how Killmonger is actually a good guy. And he murdered innocent people. You know, um, I do a lot of stuff about the science involving trans athletes and sports. I actually read all of the documentation that was currently available. Including the stuff that you have to be paid to read. Or <laughs> have to pay to read. And I did that. You know, um... I've done some great interviews. I'm one of the only people to have an interview with Joanne uh, Grambo. Um, mainstream media couldn't even get her, and she came on my show. And you know what's messed up about this one is that I tried to run a Sprizzy ad for this, and Google rejected it. This is my interview with, with uh, Grambo. Google would not let me run an ad for my interview with, with Grambo, and they said it was because of shocking content. Like, it's just a video of me talking to her. I didn't play anything violent. I got videos that they've... The funny thing is, is that they would let me run a sprizzy video for my Wakisha Parade Massacre video. <laughs> That's actually got videos of people being run over in it. They let me run an ad for this, but they would not let me run an ad for Grambo. I, it makes no sense to me. Um, you know, but... So there's other stuff on here, you know, that you guys may or may not have seen. And, you know, in some cases... You know, I think you would like it all, you know, but it's it, you're going to have to, like, you know, basically be proactive and check it out yourself. You know, going back quite a ways, you know, like this one's really good. Um, you know, this is this talks more about Yuri Bezmenov's warnings about how the left, you know, is being duped basically into being the class that if for some reason communist China ever did come over here and take over the, the Antifa types would be the ones would be lined up against the wall and shot first. You know, this video here on Justice Ginsburg talking about the national anthem, um, she actually thought that people who kneel for the anthem are stupid, and they covered it up that she said that. She said that during a mainstream media um, interview, and they wouldn't share it with everybody uh, because they were worried about the backlash that it would cause for her if everybody found out that that's what she thought. And sometimes you guys have to go to my other channels, like this one here, my Do You Think For Yourself series about censorship in order to actually watch this you have to go to my bit shoot because ironically the original version of this video about censorship where i bring up fahrenheit you know um 451 um because there was a decent bit movie about it um it got censored by youtube <laughs> some of it is because i played just little clips of the video so if you want to see this one there's a link to the bit shoot version right here in the description but this was one of my favorites and again it just because YouTube kind of ate it, it just didn't get as many um, get as many views as I feel it deserved. Um, but so some of my series, if you go to my playlist, 
you know, um, I've got uh, podcasts and interviews. If you happen to like that format, like everybody that I've interviewed here, sometimes I upload like an old podcast or, you know, and put it on YouTube or like, you know, some of my better conversations, they're all in here. If you like those long conversation formats where I'm just interviewing one person, you can find them on that playlist. You know, I got a whole playlist for critical race theory stuff um, that you can check out here. And let me see what else. Taking words back. Um, I've only done a couple of these so far, but this is going to be a series. The first one is about the definition of racism, and so is the second one. And then the third one is about what is a fascist or a Nazi, because the, they're trying to 1984 the meanings of words like this and change the meanings in public consciousness. And they do it by just lying over and over and over again about what it actually says. So the Taking Words Back series and then the Do You Think for Yourself series, I think are probably some of the most important stuff I do. And um, like going back to the first one. Now, Do You Think for Yourself is largely about um, the sociological and psychological effects that affect all humans that you have to be conscious of that are used to prevent people from thinking for themselves. And sometimes not even intentionally, you may not even realize that you're doing it unless you pay attention and look for the signs that, you know, there are things like the, uh, the Milgram experiment, the, uh, um, the bystander effect. These are all things that have been confirmed by psychology, you know, good psychology before it just became a woke freaking nightmare. Um, you know, and so this series is probably the main reason I even do this channel was because I just got so tired of people not being able to think for themselves. You know, um, there's another playlist here. Let's see. This is my playlist just for trans issues. I got a playlist for all of my Antifa stuff going back to like a long time ago when I was doing this channel. But like um, you can watch my documentary about uh, Jay Danielson being murdered by Michael Forrest Reinhold. Um, some of my videos specifically addressing, you know, not just that, but Antifa in general. I got a whole thing here for that. And speaking of other channels, if you haven't already, you should go to Mary Todd and um, uh, sign up for Mary Todd's channel if you're interested in the Antifa issue because she does insanely detailed breakdowns about Antifa and her efforts actually managed to get um, people like arrested that they couldn't find. You know, um, my Kyle Rittenhouse playlist has all of my stuff going back to my documentary and my various conversations with people, including um, I got a video on here where I'm talking to Joshua Zaminski. Like, it's in the comments. Like, he didn't come on my show or anything. Gage Grosskreutz also sometimes comments on my shit. Um, that guy's a freaking lunatic. And he always makes an idiot of it himself on my channel. Um, so anyway, you know, so there's a lot of stuff that's on here that the algorithm may not have even shown you guys. And so just make, you know, do me a favor sometimes and go back and check some of these out, you know. Uh, my Kenosha, and it was not peaceful series, it's just clips of like raw footage, you know, making it very clear that no, this was not peaceful. This was not some peaceful protest. That's just nonsense. So I'm going to go interact with the chat a little more, see what you guys are saying. Mass formation psychosis. I do a video specifically about that. So yes, Milgram was in fact about when they thought they were electrocuting people. And how easy it is to convince them to do it. And I and that thing is, is that's a that is a repeatable experiment, which means it's solid science. So I play the original old black and white version, and then I show you the more modern version because another show did a Milgram experiment. Um, if you wait long enough, then you can repeat these. Same thing with uh, Ash Conformity. The Ash Conformity experiment is um, 
is definitely one of my favorites. Uh, the Ash Conformity Experiment is specifically when they'll put a group of people in the room and they're all paid actors and the, the experiment's actually being done on you. And you don't realize that because they've all been paid to give the wrong answers to this question. And basically they've been able to reproduce this like 30 or 40% of people will just go along with what the crowd said, even if they know that it's wrong. Um, but in an alternate version of that, if you have even just one person in the room who is also giving the right answer, then people are more likely to go ahead and fess up and give the right answer. And that's who I'm trying to be, is the guy that's given the right answer that gives you the courage to do so too. Um, so here's the story about this. He didn't get kicked out of the commune. He wasn't part of it. What was going on was he was young Bernie. He was very idealistic and he would go to communes and he'd want to talk communist socialist theory. And he would irritate the people sometimes who were running the communes because they have a lot of work to do. So you gotta do the work. <laughs> and it's like, it's not that they disagreed or disliked that what he was saying. It's just like, look guys, don't distract them. We're planting crops right now, you know? And so that's what happened with that, you know, um, which is ironic, but basically what it amounted to is that he would show up and, you know, he would want to discuss the philosophies with them and they just don't have time to do that. Because once again, if you're going to be a successful socialist, it's a lot of work. It's not easy. You can't just not do it. You know, um, more linguistics defense. Absolutely. We'll do the more, we'll do more of that. Do you have a community like locals or anything? Well, where I'm at, the, the, the community I'm in is pretty active. That's the reason why I was able to get involved in the critical race theory in schools debate here at my school, in our school system, because they did that. But and yes, um, reading from the Communist Manifesto, you can do that. And Yuri Bezmenov also just talks about that. But And Polyfrog is freaking awesome. You guys should also check out Polyfrog if you have not done so. I don't know which one you were watching last night because I wasn't looking at the time. But Oh, man. So in any case... Thanks again for tuning in today, guys. And uh, if you can, you know, support me financially. I'm not looking to make a lot of money. I only need like, what are we at now? 80 patrons at $10 a week, a month. And I'd be, is it 80? I think it is. I don't know. It's, but it's considerably less than, I did the math once. It's considerably less than my subscribers on all my platforms. You know, if you can support me on Patreon, please do. I'm just trying to be whole. I'm not interested in making a lot of money at this. I've actually found that people who make too much money at this, it tends to, you get, it affects their work directly and it's not good. It ends up causing problems for your um, uh, integrity as a journalist, because then you start worrying about pissing off your fan base. It's like, well, man, I can't do that. It'll stop being my patrons. And I, I told you guys when I started this channel, for the same reason I told all of my viewers from before who showed back up from my old B radio days, this is what this show is about. And I recognize that not everybody wants to hear a bipartisan story. Not everybody wants to hear a non-catered-to-you story. A lot of people want to hear the perfect Fox story, or they want to hear the perfect MSNBC story, or they want to hear the Young Turk story. And that's not me. You're going to see shit on my channel that's going to piss you off. You're going to see shit on my channel that you like. Um, I don't want a audience full of brain dead followers. I'm not Vosh, but I'm also not Stefan Molyneux. 
And both of those people did that. They have these people who just like, you know, with bated breath, listen to every goddamn thing that these people say. And Vosh is a fucking hack. Stefan Molyneux is a fucking hack. I hate both of them. And they're in the opposite ideologies. What is it that I dislike about them? You know, not their ideologies as much at this moment is just that the followers that they have are not even fucking thinking for themselves. And they're usually so smug and they look down on you and like, Jesus, dude. Yeah, well, Universe, I actually debated Stefan Molyneux once. I had like a pounding sinus headache and a 103 degree fever, but that was the time we agreed on, so I did it. That was some crazy shit. Keep thinking of... Yeah, keep thinking of using my channel to wake people up. I don't care about not making money. Yeah, and that's... I didn't care about it either. And if many of you guys, particularly the ones who were listening to me um, during the, the Rittenhouse stuff, because people wanted to throw money at me just for making that video, the documentary, they've been trying to throw money at me for a whole year. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that right now. I'm okay for the moment. Just keep your money or send it to Kyle. You know, so um, definitely, you know, now I'm not looking to make a fortune, but it'd be nice to be able to be whole so that I, I'm, I can take care of things. At this point, I'm basically just kind of, because I didn't blow all my money during the pandemic, I'm just kind of sitting on what's left of my savings, which is trickling down to nothing. And then occasionally I get money from Patreon, you know, so my stream is suspended now. One second. Let me see. I'm not even playing anything right now. Let me see what it says. Somebody asked about Kazakhstan. I actually don't know much about that, so... Let me see if it says that. No, it looks like it's playing to me. In any case. But yeah, if you want to do a one-time thing into PayPal, you can do that or you can become a regular patron. You can also be a regular subscriber through PayPal if you prefer. Um, but thanks again for tuning in today, guys. And um, again, check out some of my old stuff. And, you know, one of the other things you could do to thank me other than just sharing stuff because the algorithm, that's one of the things Tim Pool says it's absolutely right is um, if you really want to help, you can break the algorithm just by sharing this stuff yourself. You know, um, and uh, what you got to do is um, give this to as many people as possible. Word of mouth is what's going to share, is really, what, is really what's going to spread work like this. Um, it's going to be word of mouth. It's going to be you guys sharing it manually. And that helps us a lot too. So if you can't financially support us, at least get us out there for the people that could maybe, you know, and take it from there. So I won't belabor that point. I don't even like that. I even got to the point where I had to ask. It's just basically what happened is, is when I got injured, I can't stand up for more than about 40 seconds at a time without a walker, or I start to like, my back starts to quit. There's something wrong in my spine that is causing it so that my lower back muscles can't function right. Um, and then I also smashed the hell out of my tailbone. So I can't sit either um for long periods of time so it puts me in a situation where it's difficult to do most jobs um but i could do this you know if you, and if i got even just barely enough to go by i would just do this and then you know, get all kinds of crazy content all the time so anyway thanks again guys thank you for listening to b radio i want you to go out into the world right now and i want you to tell people Hey, there's this guy. He runs this show called B Radio. He encourages people to think for themselves, to seek the truth. 
And even if it makes you uncomfortable. It's one more piece of advice I would give you. Find somebody that you don't completely agree with and go watch it. Exercise your brain. Go find somebody you don't completely agree with. So for example, like for me, Ben Shapiro. I don't agree with Ben Shapiro about a lot of things, but I do agree with him about a lot of things. That's a mental exercise to listen to that guy and sift it out and see what I like and what I don't. <laughs> v Radio posters. Yeah, just send them to my main website, I guess. Where can you find stuff from Occupy? Okay, so what happened with my old channel, v-radio.org, because that used to be my website, um, is that I lost the login information, and because the website that it was associated with, the email that was associated with it, um, I no longer have access to it. Um, what happened is, is that actually that was the funny thing is that was a listener who put up that website for me. And then he just, he abandoned the ideology that I was talking about at the time and then decided it was dangerous. Um, I guess actually as a consequence of the Stefan Molyneux stuff. And so he, uh, he decided he wasn't going to support my website anymore or work on it. And so now I'm locked out of my old YouTube account. It only had like 300 subscribers because I was primarily a podcaster anyway. Um, but if you, I guess I'll just link it to you. But if you go on my channel, um, there is a like featured channels thing. Let me see if I can find it. Down here, right here. So vradio.org is my old channel. And you're going to find stuff on here again. You're not going to agree with, but like you can see, this is me being a streamer, walking around, you know, Occupy events, talking to people, um, talking to friends, you know, like here's an example of what a general assembly looked like in Occupy Detroit. The whole thing's up here. Uh, we covered a gunfight that literally broke, broke out near Occupy Flint. You see some old footage on here of um, uh, like the work I did with Occupy Flint. Like we had solar power at Occupy Flint powering all of our electronics. It was awesome. You know, um, you get to listen to some people talk, you know, and some of my old content, like my work with Jacques Fresco, um, if you guys want to learn more about him, we can talk about that too. There's a little piece of my conversation with Stefan before he got deleted. But um, I was involved with the Zeitgeist movement at one point. I wouldn't say that I'm uninvolved. I would say that it just kind of died. But it was more about trying to redesign society in a way that was scientifically correct. You know, um, this is me talking at Occupy Detroit. You can actually get a look at what I look like if you really, really care to. Um, but let me see here. Joe, the artist, this was a fun conversation. And then this guy here explaining open carry at Occupy Flint was pretty awesome. But anyway, you know, this is me hanging out with my friend Ray Powell. He's actually been on my show a bunch of times. Um, you know, but again, yeah, there's all kinds of weird old vintage stuff on here. So I just didn't do much with video at that time. So as a consequence of that, uh, that's why I don't, I didn't really have much on the channel anyway. You know, it would have been nice to start with 388 subscribers instead of, starting with none, but I can't get back into this video. And the funny thing is, is because this is on here, this channel is getting more subscribers and there'll never be any more stuff on it because Google can't help me find it. You know, so in any case. All right, guys, I'm going to end this stream. Thank you all very much. I'm going to take one quick gander at the chat, make sure nobody asks me any questions, and then we'll be good. Um, high blood pressure. <laughs> We're doing anything. All right. Thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in to V Radio. And um, once again, visit my website, all that, blah, 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 blah. 
And get used to the fact that, like, if I'm streaming live, I'm usually going to play that intro video. The video is, like, 16 minutes long just because I basically play memes until the end of the Tchaikovsky's um, 12th Overture. Basically, it's the song for V for Vendetta. And I just play memes. And that's just me giving people an opportunity to actually get into the stream and check it out. So, and um, thanks again. Recommend my stuff. And thanks for tuning in to V Radio.